I hope I get the tower or something shit. I just like. Why is the tower shit? Um, I used to do tower. I forget why exactly, but it's like death isn't the worst one. Oh, is the tower the worst one? I think it is. Fuck. It's either the tower or there's another one. Yeah. It's one of those ones which is like seemingly innocuous, but it's like, nah, this is fucking. <laughs> um, I have the readout on my phone too. So once you pull it out, I will. Uh... Sort you. How are you on that, Mark? You feeling comfortable? Yeah, feeling good. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that looks badass, man. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'll get you to read out. Knight of Swords. This card could represent a person you know or will encounter or some aspect of yourself that is present or to call upon now. The Knight of Swords is a sharp-minded, direct and idealistic person. He is a great problem solver and debater. He is rational and doesn't let his feelings drive him. He can be headstrong and impatient. His communication is very direct and often piercing. He feels very passionately about his own ideas and will spare no one's feelings in getting his point across. Although he is very intelligent, he often jumps to conclusions. So when you say he, you mean you, yeah? <laughs> Apparently. I'm seeing either that or fucking Ben Shapiro. <laughs> the Knight of Swords doesn't care about your feelings. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. I think you're the first guest I've ever had to turn down. <laughs> I'm so stoked about it. <laughs> Welcome to Fuck You Tarot Lady episode number 16. My guest today is Mitch Alexander. Thank you so much for coming into uh, my lovely sanctum for the first time doing a podcast in here. Yeah, this is great, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a nice, cool little like funky setup. It's got everything with like little toys around and then video games and like a cool mood and like the tarot setup and stuff. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a vibe. You've really painted it for the listeners uh, cooler than it is because the Wi-Fi has just dropped out, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> yeah. we're in the process of getting ABN, uh, ABN, NBN. I'm getting an AB, I have an ABN, we're going to get an NBN and uh, it's fucking not connected. So I don't have, I don't have my mood lighting that uh, Tech Lord Greg, my good friend Greg, uh, got me those lights for my uh, birthday last year. And I'm like, I can't wait to set them up, set them up on the weekend. Amazing. Yeah. And then now Wi-Fi, no Wi-Fi. Yeah. You have, you have a guest come on. It's like, it's usually really cool. Yeah, man. Sure. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, the next, the next guest is going to get all the good stuff yeah, out of it. I feel really yeah, bad, Mitch, but thanks so much for coming on the show. No, man. Um, you were a guest on Keith Solomon many moons ago, yes. but a lot has changed since then. So we're pretty much just yeah. going to focus on like, I don't know, the climate emergency this, <laughs> this episode. There is a, there is a, there is an issue with like doing or doing anything other than thinking about the climate emergency just seems frivolous and self-indulgent. At the, at the moment, it seems like, yeah, no, dinner's really nice, but we're all about to broil to death. So, I was like, yeah, I love you and I would like to have a life with you, but we don't have any type of life whatsoever to think about in the future. I was like, I'm having, I'm having fun with a new Call of Duty. I'll be dead soon. But it's like, it's just, it sh and, and it's just, it should be in the background of everyone's mind, I think. Yeah. Like this, is, this is, this is the defining issue for humanity in the same way that we've had like world wars um certain weapons certain plagues yeah the bubonic plague, plague. yeah, yeah that's we've, ha we've had things like that that we've had to sort of deal with and this is arguably the worst but arguably um the clearest to fix and mm. we're no longer in a point where we're just like oh like two-thirds of europe has just died we should pray harder 
It's like, no, we know exactly what the fucking problem is. We know what it is down to the particle in the air. Yeah. We know how to fix it, how much it would cost, who's the problem, who's the potential solution, and, and not just like what is, who. We, we literally know who the leaders of, or the, like the, the CEOs of the companies are that are in charge of these fucking horrible things. We could just fix this. But mm. at the moment, it's like, it's a, that's, we were chatting before we um, started recording, but like, this is a scientific issue that people have decided to politicize. And so, fuck it. Let's talk politics then. Let's go hard. That's actually, if you want to make this political, a political issue, then fine. Let's fucking go. Is this the beginning of you? Is this your origin story of being, I guess, a political activist? I guess, is it, <laughs> is it like, is this this how it starts? Because you're like, well, I care about the climate and now I care about politics because they're making it a politicized issue. And then, like, you know, when did all this happen? Yeah, not for me. I think for a lot of people, 100%. For me, I was always a fucking outspoken loudmouth. Oh, it like speaking I, of loudmouth, my phone just yeah. went off in the middle of this interview. No, nah, very, very important. You've got to. Who knows what the message? It could be about climate change. It was. It was a climate emergency. <laughs> this text, I've got to take it. The uh, the the, the climate's fucked. I've got to take this message. Yeah. No. It, so for me, I was always. Um, I was always outspoken about whatever politics I was into. And I think what's changed is that my uh, like political ideology, my outlook has shifted into what I think is more important stuff. So, you know, like I was, I was born in 89. So I went through my teenage years with the explosion of like the outspoken atheist as a thing. So I, I had a lot of like Christopher Hitchens, um, Richard Dawkins. Dawkins. Yeah. Sam Harris was like, oh yeah, stick it to them. Religious people. Oh, they're fucked like totally totally oblivious to the fact that i grew up in australia where religion is an afterthought for most people i don't give a shit it's not controversial to be atheist in this country and if you're too religious you're weird like you don't get invited to barbecues anymore if you keep bringing up christ so it's not it wasn't controversial for me but i think that's where i sort of got my um grounding in like oh you can you can talk about your opinion you can be loud about it and like i wasn't ever like reflective of the fact that it's like yeah you're a you're a large white dude <laughs> you're going to be in the way and people can't shut you up even if they want to so yeah and so i think like my politics has gotten more nuanced through my 20s and now has become more uh focused and angry because of climate change mm. um but yeah like i've always been sort of politically minded always going to rallies always calling local members always doing things like that agitating how i could organizing how i could um, and now I suppose it's like, that was just training. And now in my thirties, I can sort of get it together. Um, which is, it's been really fucking cool when I've started doing that, going to all the different climate rallies that have been happening at the moment and watching these amazing 16, 17, like 15 year old kids give these amazing impassioned speeches and get organized and actually take action. And like, not, oh, they skip school. Yeah. They also glue themselves to roads. Like they are fucking hardcore at the moment. And like, it's 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 really scary what's been happening globally, but this is probably the most uh, hopeful I've felt in a long time because we've got action and we've got unavoidable consequences uh, consequences of inaction hitting us in the face. Mm. Um, like our major cities have been like blanketed in smoke, which is literally dangerous. It's like like they are. Um, the warnings have gotten up to literally no one should be outside. This is bad for your health. This is like smoking. And I think like people haven't really talked about this fact so much, which is like my, my role is the cheery loudmouth at the front of this. It's like, we were literally breathing in the ashes of a billion native animals 
in our major cities. That's brutal. We, 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 we were huffing the ashes of koalas and joeys and snakes and spiders. It's like people aren't like, wanting to deal with that fact. People aren't wanting to think about that that's what that is. Oh, the smoke of the bushfires. Yeah, native plants gone up in flames into smoke, covered the rest of the country, and then we just huffed it in. Like all those koalas you've been looking at, that's their fur that's been turned into tiny little particles and spread across the country and then went over to New Zealand. So I think there's a, it's like a, almost like a psychic backlash to that where people are just like, oh, yeah, this is fucked. This is bad now. And then now we've got flash flooding after those fires. Yeah. And people are like, oh, yep. Yeah, we are going to have to do something or we're going to die and we're going to die slowly. It's not going to be a good death. There's not going to be a fucking flaming tidal wave that comes over a city. It's going to be starvation through winters like the 17th century. Yeah. And it's just going to be our old relatives and then it's going to be our sick friends. And we're going to it's going to be like seven hard years before one day the heating gives out in our fucking house and we're dead. Do you know what I mean? Or, or we could just change to eco-socialism now. We could nationalize the energy and in- industry infrastructure the worldwide and the workers could own the means of that production and we could actually live in harmony forever. I don't know. Either or. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're into, I guess. I know what I'd rather, but hey, we've got to get consensus on this. So Fucking hell. <laughs> Starting the episode had, on a cheery note. I had so many things in the middle of while you were talking that I was going <laughs> to jump in and say stuff. And then every time I was just shattered by like the sad reality <laughs> that is fucking hell. That's br- You're right. But, like it's not, it's because there's a thing as well. I, I find it hilarious that like people that may be a little bit less switched on politically or maybe you know brainwashed by the media um they'll say stuff like oh you know we don't want boat people or we don't want this or whatever and it's like well you understand that like as more countries set on fire and people need to leave their countries they're gonna go somewhere else right like, they're not gonna yeah. stay in their own on fire country so yeah. like are you worried that that's get- like and they don't even think about that stuff they mm. don't even think about the effect that climate change can have on the refugee issue which is even you know well, which no is like- one no one drew the fucking connections that those that footage of people from small rural towns in australia on beaches being put onto military boats and taken to major cities is a fucking internal refugee crisis we have Australian refugees due to climate change already. Yeah. Like the, so, I mean, this is, this sounds like a tenuous link, but the, um, the war in Syria is caused by climate change and is instructive to Australia in 2020. But essentially, um, this isn't the only reason, but one of the main reasons why there's a war in Syria now, why there was a huge civil war there is because of climate change, because they had unprecedented droughts yeah. and masses, millions of rural people in Syria moved to major cities. And the city infrastructure couldn't handle it. And then the two clashing ideologies. Like if you can you imagine having like the a large percentage of rural Queensland moving to Melbourne? <laughs> like in the space of a year or so. Like it would fuck up. Do you know what I mean? It just wouldn't work. There would be a culture clash. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened in Syria, and tensions got to a point where civil war broke out. Um, now, obviously, there were other horrible things. Um, Assad was like was a dictator, so it was worse there. So there were other tensions at play. But essentially, like that's what's in store for Australia if we keep doing this. Like we're not going to be able to just go back to those communities, and you know, um, there was a, <laughs> there was a government initiative to try to put money back into rural communities by tagging. I think it was like a thousand fish throughout the um throughout the area with essentially like fucking childish willy wonka style golden tickets and if you caught one of these fish you could cash in this tag that was on them and get like ten thousand dollars that's legitimately a fucking proposal that the the federal government had to try to encourage people to go out into rural areas again 
was tagging fish with prizes to encourage people to go fishing. Like it's the fucking Melbourne show? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, le- like, legit. And they just think it's like, oh, we'll just encourage some fucking tourism and get them back out there and those, those towns will get back on their feet. And they fucking won't. There are already people who will not go back there to those areas. Because why would you live in the bush if that's the new normal? And why would you want to go and stay in the place where, like, you lost loved ones and your house and everything and exactly. just, like, go back and relive that every day of your life? But also, the, the feedback loop starts then. So you've got these, like, unprecedented style fires that come through that can't be put out, like, quick enough. But then you have the storms that those, like, fires create themselves. And they start fires everywhere, blah, 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 blah. Everything burns and it's fucked. But if it burns worse than usual, then we don't have the regrowth rate that we used to. And then you have things like erosion of topsoil. And the topsoil is what you need for farming. So I don't know if you've noticed or anyone listening has noticed that, uh, I don't know if it happened in Sydney, but at least in Melbourne, we've had some storms recently, like rainstorms, and afterwards everything's coated fucking orange brown. Oh yeah, dude, my tonneau cover on the back of my car has been stained from it. Like, yeah. I can't, I tried, I washed it the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, it's still just orange now. That's topsoil from our rural area, which means that once that was like blown away and washed off and taken up into the clouds, they can't plant anything there anymore. So we have like five more years of that and we're going to have farmers that can't stay there, even if they want to. They've got no fucking soil to plant their seeds in. So they're going to have to come to the cities and do shit. So they're not going to stay in those areas. So those areas are going to dry up. And then if those areas are untended, they're going to go up again in flames more. And that's going to spread the problem. It's the fucking feedback loops that keep happening. That means I have to wait five extra minutes to get my fucking coffee because there's more people in the city. This is all. This is the thing as well. You can you can take a stance on climate change and just be self centered about it. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with Hicks. It's like, cool, like fix climate change, and then they can fuck off back to where they're from. Yeah, and I don't think- mean I don't mean Indonesia. I mean Bundaberg. <laughs> they're the type of immigrants I'm worried about. <laughs> fucking- Me too. I like Indonesia. <laughs> I like Indonesian food more than I like people from Queensland coming down here. <laughs> Yeah, I is like it, Indonesian food more than I like Bundaberg rum. Yeah. I, so if I, have I, to, if I have to choose, Queenslanders are losing. I was just about to say, like, I was in my head, it's like, yeah, I'm not a racist person towards Indonesian people. Then I was like, God, I'm racist towards Queenslanders, though. That's a worry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, that's how we should start spreading fear in the Victorian yeah. area, you know? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, mm. they're, they're coming for your jobs. Who? Queenslanders. Anyway, look... <laughs> Usually on this show, Mitch, uh, I knew this was going to be an exciting time having you on and I knew I wouldn't have to talk very much, which is exciting. But what I usually would do is give people a bit of insight or a bit of character about you. All So far, you've just uh, given your very strong opinions on the politics that we need to all understand, which Uh I appreciate. But let's give the listeners a bit of background about you. All right. Um, Who the fuck am I? You came from Queensland originally, is that correct? Shut up. (laughs) <laughs> you're, one of, you're one of the first refugees oh, People start talking about Queensland I get my Queensland accent back Fucking yeah, nah or, Yeah <laughs> I came from I was born in um, Brisbane um, Was there till like 13 um, And then Grew up in Byron Bay So I've got the like I've got a mix of like the Like it's, it's Queensland But Brisbane and Gold Coast Have this weird Um not obsession, but they've definitely got this idea that like that we're not to be lumped in with the rest of Queensland, where we mm. where the where the progressive part of Queensland, it's like barely, like <laughs> you are more, you are in comparison more progressive, but it's like being the prettiest hairless cat. It's like you're still <laughs> you build all the fucking museums you want, but you still draw. Like it's just um, you're not, but um, 
but yeah, so I grew up with that and then moved to Byron Bay where I was just surfing all the time. Like I lived on the beach. So there was just that, the two cliches of like, yeah, bro, no, it's fine. Eh? Just go for a fucking surf, hey. Eh? And the Queensland like, oh, fucking come on, come. So like, mixed together. You're a volatile little combination oh, there. Fu- yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> um, but I think like growing up in a small town, like quote unquote small town, like um, Byron, Ballina, Lismore, places like that was really good for me because I think I would have, I just would have imploded if I was still in the city. Like I was just, you know, I was an angry, fat kid. I was the obese kid for the longest time. Um, oh, really? Just furious. Only metalhead as well. Like I was just, you know, a little meh, angry turd of a kid. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, just ended up chilling out. Like ended up like finding, obviously you surfing. You sound very chill. <laughs> well, there's not a lot to be chill about now. Climate change coming up. Oh, so so here's a- the thing about climate change. <laughs> so there was a chill moment in the middle and then you've gone mm. back to being angry. No, I reckon this is the chiller version of me than if I stayed in the city. Oh, wow. It just, But I just would have, I think I would have turned into like one of those, one of those guys that's just aimlessly angry. Like, you know, those guys that just like, they start fights at pubs or they yell from their car more than they need to. And they, they punch walls at 22 and they should have grown out of it. And it's just like, they've just got like a type of frustration, but they don't really know where to aim it. So mm. they, they join a, they join an alt-right gang and they're just like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't would like... have been me, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so at what point did you move down to Melbourne? Um, I was like, I was like 21, I think 22. And because I was in, um, bands from like 15 and I always wanted to be since I found metal when I was nine. I was like, yep, that's what I want to do. What kind of metal was it? Um, I saw Freak on a Leash by Korn when I was nine years old on, on a summer day on Saturday watching video hits. I still fucking remember it. Before Mm. then music was just sort of cool. Then there was Korn. And from there, it was just metal. That's all I had. So it was Corn and Slipknot to start with and System of a Down, bands like that, moving you, through it that You're speaking my language. That's yeah. exactly... We're, we're a, a year apart. So we. Yeah. I feel like that that same boom of new metal that kind of collected so many yeah. disaffected youth to wear Adidas. Yeah, um, <laughs> Adidas was cool. <laughs> you know. It was the I, groove. That's what got me. It was that, it was that heavy groove. Because um, I'd like tried listening to Metallica and whatnot before, maybe not before that, but definitely after that. It was just, it was just like noisy mess. It just wasn't there. You're like, I where's the, the DJ? Where's yeah, the pretty much. Yeah, where's the scratching? <laughs> this isn't metal. There's no rapping. Um, but yeah, like I just, I love that. What I then, what I eventually found out was the hip hop groove and um, started drumming from that. Like David Silvera from Corn, who's now a Trump voting alt-right MAGA chud, which really sucks. Um, but he got me into drumming, into music, into wanting to do it. Um, yeah, like that was, that for me was the start of that. And so when I started getting into bands at about 15 and then we started like doing music that we wanted to and we were thinking about like, yeah, let's just actually like give it a shot. Let's do some stuff. Melbourne was always on the cards. Cause that's what you do. If you're in music, if you're in, if you're in art or artistic entertainment, you go to Melbourne. And so like I'd been here, I'd been to the city once before I moved down and that was enough. Like before I did that one trip, I was like, I'm moving to Melbourne in the next six months. I should go on holidays and check it out, I guess, yeah. And that was just, it was just reifying. Like, oh, this is what a city is, right. Because I've been in Brisbane before that. And I was like, yeah, no, this is what a city should feel like to be in. Yeah, um, right. And then, yeah, years later, I went to New York and I was like, <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> Cute. I had this conversation with just someone the other day. That was when I first went to like Brooklyn a couple of, like many years ago now, probably been like, how old am I now? 
seven years ago or something. I went to, went to <laughs> a couple New months, years. Oh, <laughs> it was oh. in like with the, within the scheme of things. Now it's like, yeah, fuck, that was probably almost a third of my life ago that I went there. But mm-hmm. that was the first time when I saw like Brooklyn hipsters. I was like, oh, you're just like way better than the Melbourne ones. Like, yeah, totally. I thought Melbourne like hip dudes at that time were really unique. Yeah, and then no. I was like, oh, you're just like budget. Yeah, Brooklyn hipsters. Yeah, Australia is Australia is just budget white people. it's what we do like we're ahead of the curve sometimes in terms of like inventing solar panels and gps or enacting death camps for immigrants like we're ahead of the curve there but in everything else we're embarrassingly behind it so Mm. like metalcore caught on here like a couple years after it was popular everywhere else and like you know different artistic expressions and whatnot but i think we're doing all right now like first it was like dark mofo and shit are pretty good yeah. Like worldwide. I like Mona is like my favorite gallery I've been to. I think I just like Mona and Dark Mofo. I don't like. <laughs> it's very specific my taste. <laughs> and that and that's uh, that's so funny because that's something that the Tasmanians can just hang their hat on like yeah. we could do everything wrong for the next like 50 years. It's like but yeah. Dark Mofo though. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Mofo is so good you can forget that being a homosexual was illegal there until like 2004 or some shit. <laughs> or like they had they had gay panic laws on the books until like four years ago. Wow. But Dark Mofo was pretty sweet. They yeah. bought an Al Nathrak out. So that's pretty cool. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> and there's like a housing boom in Hobart right now, isn't there? Yeah, because like- that's going to be one of the best places to live when climate change kicks in. Not to bring it back full circle. <laughs> but New Zealand and Tasmania are like with the modelling that they've done, some of the safest place on earth to be. It, what do you mean by safest? Is in like from tidal waves or from yeah, from from all the changes? Because they're in the cold zone now, and as everything heats up, they heat up comparatively to those spots, and so they're going to be more temperate and nicer. But they're going to be they're still going to be able to um, like grow food and have infrastructure and stuff there. It's still going to be issues, obviously, and we're an international community now, so there's still issues. But yeah, no, they're some of the best places on earth to build your billion dollar bunkers. So billionaires all over the world are buying up property in Tasmania and New Zealand and um, a couple of those like South American countries, but they're obviously different because they've got land masses with immigrants can just march straight down. Um, yeah. They New, Ze- want- New Zealand's also isolated. I was just about to say, if billionaires could put a fence around New Zealand, they totally do it. Yeah, they totally. T- they take it over. Yeah, 100%. But they've got nature's fence, the water, <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> it's like a moat, out. essentially. Yeah, but- it's a big fuck off moat. The Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Anyway, so so you you did bands. Uh, did you say so? You were into drumming. Or? Yeah, I was a drummer initially, and yeah. then I just got bored on stage and I wanted to do more. And so I was like, I'll be a singer. I could be. A, I, people deserve to have me as a singer. I'm sick of <laughs> lugging drums around, dude. Yeah, yeah. That as a have... vocalist, you don't even need your own mic. Yeah, it's just, good to have. They're there waiting yeah, for you. Yeah. At practice spaces and venues, they've just got microphones for singers, yeah. as if they know. But drummers have to take everything with them. So yeah, fuck that. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was drumming in a band for like four or five years and then made a switch to vocals. And um, yeah, I've been doing that for, fucking the, I mean, a decade plus, 11, 12 years now. Yeah, yeah, wow. On and off, but like, yeah, fairly consistently. Yeah. And so currently you're in Eye of the Enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have done, you mentioned at dinner that you guys toured Asia. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. Tell us about that. I, they tapped me to do that. So they had their, their singer at the time. Was that at the time when you joined the band? Was yeah, that the yeah, Asia yeah. Tour? So they were like, we've got this Asian tour coming up. Can you do it? And fuck it, for some reason, I, I told them, oh, let's wait and see. I was finishing up my honours at the time. And it was like, I thought my honours was very stressful and it was a very intense time of my life. And I was like, look, 
I don't want to commit to anything now. Give me like a month and a half and I'll come back to it. And in hindsight, what a fucking idiot. Like just, yes, I'll, I'll tour Asia with a band, yeah. which is my lifelong dream. But for some reason I said, let's wait for a, a little bit. But it ended up still working out. That was still, they still wanted me to do it at the end of that. Um, which was interesting because my band before that, Hours in Exile, which was um, f- uh, the, the new name for Mordell, if anyone knows who they are. Um, we played a gig where we supported Eye of the Enemy. And back then, they saw me on stage and were like, if we ever need another vocalist, we should get that guy to do it. Which was fun because I think in Eye of the Enemy's time, there's been at least two, but maybe three other members that have joined Eye of the Enemy after their time in Mordell. <laughs> like, they just keep poaching them. It's from like the Groundlings for SNL. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah it's just the keep... Junior League in yeah. Formula One. Like, <laughs> it's how people come through. Um but yeah, so they, they tapped me for that. We had a couple gigs here and then, um, yeah, we went through and did a fucking Asian tour out of nowhere. It was mind-blowing. It was mm. fucking amazing. Like, I was going to oh. ask why you were there because I was going to bring it back to climate change. I was like, how are they handling <laughs> that over there? But I'm assuming, were you, were, you, were you even thinking about that back then? That's the thing. Not really. That's the issue. I knew it was an issue and I've always known it was an issue. I mean, fucking David Suzuki's been talking about it since the 70s. We've known about it for fucking ever. Shell knew about it in the 60s and they also knew that between 2010 and 2030, they would need to counter rising activists, especially youth activists. That's in a memo from the 60s. No shit. Yeah. Public opinion is going to turn to us, uh, turn on us, especially with the youth market. And there's going to be potentially um, civil disobedience and riots from our, our potential, if, if we mismanage this crisis. And this but PR then they're like, crisis. but if we do 9-11 correctly in 2001, <laughs> yeah. we yeah. can... <laughs> Yeah, BHP people calling people up. It's like, don't go to work today. Like, I don't work there. It's like, good. Um, but so like, it was obviously on my mind, but that that was seven, no, that was like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah, um, right. Wow. So it was still just sort of like, yeah, it's something we should work on and fuck, we're not doing anything. That sucks. Without, this is the problem with people. We just don't think about things until they're directly in front of us. So we can talk as much as we want about um the action that's needed on climate change but if it's to avert a disaster that hasn't yet happened it's a much it's, it's a harder sell obviously politically but it's a harder thing to internalize like this idea of i need to do something now. it's like how much do you do in your day to avoid emphysema and like cancer as an old person like are you terrified of it at the moment because there's a one in three chance you'll get cancer like after if you make it to 75 it's a one in three chance you'll get a type of cancer is that true yeah what but who like you're not doing anything you still you still eat meat now and you still drink and it's just like fucking most people like it's like some people still smoke it's like gives a fuck i'll deal with it later and then like there's always the concession like i should go to the gym a little bit more (laughs) it's like whatever like i'll just i'll deal with some tragedy if the tragedy hits but right now i'm fucking sitting pretty and i think that was the globe up until like a couple of years ago. So the planet was essentially a person in their twenties. Yeah. Hell yeah. Just being like, I don't need fucking life insurance. I'm, I'm invincible. Yeah. I can drink everything I want. hundred percent. Wow. And so like, yeah, so going through Asia, like, I mean, I didn't see much of that sort of stuff, but even then, like the infrastructure was better. Um, uh, the energy infrastructure in Japan, not so good. Fukushima wasn't great. (laughs) Um, but like they've got a better sort of social system set up to, that means that they can transition into stuff a lot easier. And um, like they've got a conservative government in power now, um, but like they're still much more progressive on climate change. Because the weird thing is that 
like most countries, even the conservatives have gone, oh, if I want to be in charge and comfortable, I should do something about climate change, which I don't get why they don't do anything in the Western nations more. Um, like, why, like, my one fear about Australia is that Peter Dutton will become prime minister <laughs> and he'll install an essentially authoritarian state like what they've got in Russia under the guise of I'm fixing climate change. All he'd have to do is actually work on climate change and he could do anything else that he wanted to. Like get rid of all the journalists. And- yeah, 100%. They're already trying to fucking do it. They had the yeah. Australian Federal Police raid fucking the ABC because of reports that Afghan uh, soldiers in Afghanistan were murdering civilians. Like that was the what the reporting was on was like Australian like Australian troops were murdering and torturing Afghanis and those reports were leaked and then the Australian Federal Police was like ah oh, you can't leak and raided the ABC for evidence of like who what, what who the journalists were talking to how they got their information what secrets were revealed blah 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 and like so they're already trying dry runs of authoritarian like. Mm works and that's, that's the thing as well like people have to keep in mind that when we talk about a fascist government quote unquote or an authoritarian government it's not like we're going to be a 100 percent democracy until we go to the next election and then we vote in like the fascist first party who are going <laughs> vote for us and we'll be fascist vote for us and we'll be fascist and people are like mm, sounds pretty good we've had democracy for a while i'm going to try fascism it doesn't work like that we have a fascist policy or we have a fascist talking point or we have a fascist um, rally that gets like tacit endorsement from one or two politicians like Fraser Anning appearing at the like, alt-right rallies. It just gives a little bit more support to one idea which is sort of fascism. And all you need is that more and more and more and more and more and more before you're essentially in a fascist state and you didn't even realise it. And that's the issue. You can have a democratic state like we have now enacting fascist policies in one area but then socialist policies in another. It's not one or the other. You can have socialized medicine while locking people up in offshore detention camps. Mm. It's just eventually, if you don't do anything about those offshore detention camps, then they start suggesting like a $7 copay on that free medicine. Or they start suggesting that maybe you don't get treatment for this sort of thing. Or, or they education start, costs like privatizing money. hospitals in New South Wales. Exactly. Yeah, shit like that. Um, or they start, like you have mining companies splashing their advertising on the side of police cars who give them funding in the Northern Territory, which is 100% real. Whoa. Mining companies support our, financially support our police in the Northern Territory. Yeah, 100%. Wow. It's fucking insane. But it happens incrementally. It happens in these tiny little bits that you don't notice at the time. And everything's still pretty all right, I guess. And so, like, when people are talking about, like, oh, I'm not anti-fa. They're just as bad as the fascists. Or, you know, they're not they're not that bad yet. So like, what the fuck are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the trains to be loaded? Like, is that the... Are you waiting for the Zyklon B to be put down the fucking chute before you're like, oh, yeah, genocide. Totally. It's like... Yeah. And, and the thing is, and we fucking know this too. Like we have, uh, like, not laws, but we have, like the UN has, um, I suppose you call it like <laughs> talking points or whatever, but like things to watch out for. Like with the Rwandan genocide, part of what they identified was the dehumanization of a group of people. Um, so the like radio hosts were just as culpable as the politicians that were telling people to machete their neighbors because they were running these ads or they were running talking points like, oh, these cockroaches in your country and they want to undermine your way of life and whatnot. 
And we look back at that and we're like, yeah, that's genocide. That's really bad. But we don't look at fucking Alan Jones inciting the Cronulla riots by calling like Lebanese people the, the scourge of Australia. And we just think, oh, that's, that's bloody Alan Jones. That's all right. It's like, no, you need, to cramp, you need to clamp down on that now because we fucking know what happens if you let that go for too long. We've seen the genocides. We know how it works. It doesn't work, like I said, with just this one big vote and all of a sudden we're fascists. Ah, oh, well, we lost the vote. It's like, it's incremental. It keeps creeping up on you. Which is like why you also look at things like fucking uh, like Donald Trump and Boris Johnson and Scott Morris and like the creeping authoritarianism that's there. Part of their job is to make you stop caring about politicians because you don't think you can trust them. Mm. Like Hitler was a fucking idiot. No one thought he was going to get in, just like Trump. Hitler was very much ridiculed by the German press, um, the German people, and his first few elections, he barely won enough votes, but then he essentially got himself into a position where he was going to form a minority government. And so they decided, so the German chancellor at the time thought that they could restrain him by giving him power, but they'll work in the background just to fix little bits. But by that point, it was too late because they made him fucking the, the, the actual chancellor. And that's how he got in. But he got in on a platform that everyone was like, shut up, that's not true. Which is exactly the same thing with Trump. Like, he's he's going to build a wall. Is he? Is he really? Oh, fuck, he's building a wall. Oh, shit. Like, there's just enough people in fucking Ohio that thought the wall was a good idea that we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> fuck. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think my favorite country to tour is uh, China or Japan. <laughs> <laughs> is my point. <laughs> Fuck, I, I, I don't think I can go through the rest of your 20s in this podcast because it won't end because it'll just keep coming back around to climate change. But look, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, what else to fucking talk about? Yeah, I can talk about the time I was on national TV, but we're on fucking fire. Like, join your fucking union. Don't worry about me on the drum. It was fine. I sat next to Tony Abbott's sister. It was weird. Is it, she the one that... that Christine... And, what's and, Fuck, what's her name? What, what was she doing? Shout out if you're listening. She was just being on the panel as well. Like she was just another voice on the panel. Um, she's like a town councillor or a mayor or something in Sydney. Like she's in politics as well. Okay. Um, and people sort of like, the the whole thing, the reason why she came to prominence is because she was Tony Abbott's sister, but she was in favour of marriage equality when that whole thing was going yeah, on. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. so people sort of like held her up as a... Um, as like a, not like a queer figurehead, but sort of like, ah, see, we've got people on our side you wouldn't expect. Yeah, she's fucking dog shit in all other policies. Like she's just a conservative politician in all other ways. She's just also a lesbian. And so of course she's in favor of marriage equality. Like more lesbians than not were in favor of marriage equality. Makes sense to me. <laughs> and it turns out she's also relatively conservative. So it's like, oh, good. But yeah, I got to sit next to her and talk about stuff. I mean, look, I... <laughs> This is again about climate change, but one of <laughs> one of my one of my highlights of my fucking life was um, arguing on a national TV show with Amanda Vanstone about climate change, which is crazy because to, to me Amanda Vanstone was part of like the Howard cabinet when I was growing up, and she was terrible then. She's terrible now. She's got the worst ideas about climate change and politics that you could peddle, um, and she said some shit on national TV and I was on a show and I argued back and I said, I no, I'm going to have to push back against that. I think you're wrong. And that felt good. That was fun. Yeah. Um, she was trying to push the, um, now's not the time to talk. Now's not the time to politicize these fires. We need to uh. talk. It's like, fuck, yes, it is. 
are you fucking talking about? This is the exact right time to talk about it. And also, you're in Adelaide in a TV studio and I flew up from Melbourne to Sydney to do the show. Like, we can politicise it. We're not fighting fires. Like, we can do two things at once. I'm fine. I'm a fucking successful Melbourne fucking inner city wanker. I can afford to talk about this shit in a political way. You fucking gaslight me. Anyway. I've studied at university. <laughs> and I have Excuse done. me. <laughs> so, look, we haven't got... Like, let's let's at least like go through some of your... like On the main parts of your CV before we get to the podcast that you're doing now, which I'm <laughs> very excited about. We haven't even talked about it yeah, yet. Yeah, no, true. Can you guess, listeners, that Mitch does a podcast about climate change? <laughs> no, I see. One of, my, one of my co-hosts, one of my friends that does it with me, reckons we're a climate change podcast that talks about the politics. In my mind, we're a political podcast. That talks about climate change? Yeah. Because, again, if, if, if climate change was just a scientific issue, we wouldn't have to talk about it. Very true. But conservatives have politicised the issue. So, fuck you. Game on. We have to talk about the politics, which means we also have to talk about welfare. We also have to talk about education, all the rest of that sort of stuff. It's like all the seasons of The Wire, once they all add up, essentially, is what you... <laughs> oh, it's about the newspapers now. It's about, it's about like, uh, policing. Kinda, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, it's exciting. I, I look forward to that when you get to the season five, when it all yeah, starts totally. getting mushed together. Yeah. No, um, so, so, what do you like? So, the other stuff that I've done... Well, yeah. Well, I mean, for listeners... I mean, look, most people would have already heard you at some point whether it be on the racket filling in for Lachlan Watt while yep. he was away mm-hmm. or uh, maybe seen your stand-up show I certainly have mm-hmm. um, you know you've been in bands what else am I missing you studied philosophy at uni yeah I studied philosophy still doing my thesis on that and like I've been a tutor at Monash like teaching philosophy classes like units in philosophy or human rights and whatnot which is a trip because i fucking hated high school and barely got through um <laughs> and look at you now i know oh, no what was really fucking weird what was funny was um after i was on the drum um i think i think it was the one where i argued against amanda vanstone but i got a tweet um she couldn't find my personal twitter but she found the band's one but the um sitting greens member for lismore i think tamara smith tweeted hell yeah mitch good on you good to see you there fighting the good fight at eye to the enemy and that's my old english teacher <laughs> we fucking hated each other we butted heads a lot it was fucked oh i can imagine you'd be a little shit of i was child. the worst <laughs> oh, i remember one time with her it was one of those things where she's like mitch not another word out of you do you understand yes she's like good when it is and she's like we're done i was like we are and she's like stop I'm like, okay. And it just kept going for so long. But then like, I was that type of fuckhead. Yeah. And then, so she's gone on to like, you know, actually be in politics and enact change. And I've wrestled microphones from more deserving people and started shouting into them <laughs> for 20, <laughs> fucking 10 years now. <laughs> well, you've wrestled those microphones out of people's hands now. And now I feel like you're doing some good with it, you know? Fucking hope so. So, so let's, okay. We've ticked off everything else on the CV now. Let's talk about the podcast. So yeah. You messaged me a couple of weeks ago and mentioned that this new podcast coming up. I got a chance to listen to it early, which I was very stoked about. So mm-hmm. it's called Not Good Enough mm-hmm. and Not Good Pod. At, is that? Yeah. So all the, the all the socials, like Not Good Enough was already taken by people that had like prominent tumblers in the early 2000s. So we couldn't mm-hmm. take them. Um, but so all the socials is like Not Good Pod, yeah. like the website. But the whatnot, podcast but is called Not, not good, good Enough. enough. Yeah. The, the tagline is it's an, it's an inadequate response to inadequate responses. Like, we're doing the bare fucking minimum. Our, our whole thing is that at this point, everyone should have a podcast. Mm. Everyone should be shouting all the time about these issues, about the issues that they care about, and everyone else should be supporting everyone else. 
um, who has a podcast to like use their platform for whatever they think it is because the normal modes of like uh, media, the normal modes of like information transmission have started to break down. People don't trust those institutions anymore. So we have to build them back up ourselves, essentially. Um, and So we are already kind of living in the post-apocalypse, essentially. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> what I mean, I forget who made this initial point. It's been made a bunch. But like the, the apocalypse is pre- or post, depending on who you ask from what country. Like, we have had leaders from countries literally cry when the our elected politicians tell them we will not be aiding them in the current climate crisis yeah. because their islands are sinking. And we have our fucking Michael fucking McCormick, that racist prick, talking about how these people, oh, they'll be fine because they come over here and pick our fruit. And the fucking racist old bint. Um... So, like, for them, what does the apocalypse mean when they're literally watching their homes slowly start to sink and the, the, their governments there don't have a GDP to, like, helicopter everyone off and they're trying to figure out how to mitigate that? Like, for them, that's pretty much... That's that's Waterworld. Like, they've that's, that's a movie about that. For mm. us, we're fine. We've got fires sort of over there and then red dust storm rain over here and whatnot. Um, but at the moment, like, we've still got a really good chance to maintain some modicum of comfort in our lives to keep living. We've still got like 20 years where shit will be fucked, but it'll be livable. Um, and so that's sort of what the podcast is, is like all of us, there was a, it was a politics chat with just a few friends of ours that we had for a while that we were just like, we've done protests, we've done rallies, we've done donations, we've done collections, we've done like uh, local council meetings, we've done door knocking we're going to keep doing that fucking what else can we do what's the next like minimal investment we could make what's the bare minimum a podcast all right fuck it let's do that we have to um and i think part of it was the smoke in the cities because uh tom tanaki who's from um who co-founded yelling at racist dogs which is a public initiative where you just film yourself yelling at racist people it's great um he started a podcast recently as well called The Pork and Feed the Birds. And I think that was like a, just a sort of uh, a, 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 like a fear conniption. Like everyone just sort of went, oh, the shit's fucked. And we just panicked. And was like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Ah, podcast. Let's get our message out. We got to do something. Um, and like a, a bunch of different podcasts sort of came out and a bunch of podcasts pivoted as well and just became more sort of serious um, because... And not just, not just podcasts, but just new media, like YouTube. Um, people our age don't realize just how much YouTube is used by young people. Um, but people like young people don't watch TV anymore at all. They, I don't watch TV anymore. No. <laughs> but even then, you're still not watching YouTube the way kids watch YouTube. Like mm. I've got like a 13-year-old brother and people younger than them. Like they have channels in a different way. Like Twitch streamers have to be on like eight hours a day because kids demand that sort of stuff because they won't watch anything else they'll just consume that sort of thing um mm. my partner was telling me the other day she went down a couple of weeks ago she went down this weird youtube hole and i'm yet to replicate it but i really want to she went down this weird youtube hole and ended up like on like the those weird like not deep fake but those weird like computer generated kids movie type things mm. those real creepy yeah odd ones at a certain point youtube takes away the pause function on kids videos so really? you, so kids can't pause it no so they stay glued to it more 
And that's really creepy and fucking weird. Whoa. Yeah. Is that for real? Yeah. Like she's she's adamant that that's happened and I really want to actually replicate it, but I don't have time to watch like 15 minutes of kids videos. But apparently you get to a certain point of watching that shit and you can't pause it. It's just on or off. Which like for like uh, under a certain age, you're just going to watch that then. You're going to have to wait to get to the next thing. But then you get to the end of it and it's just like, you know, playing matches of Call of Duty. With, oh, just one more. One more will be fine. But yeah, that's how you get the, you know, people streaming for eight hours a day or YouTube channels just uploading every day and it's just, you know, a webcam with a white wall but it's, they're making 55,000 a month or whatever it is. Like, people, people find out things in a different way. We still need journalists and we still need news outlets but their information gets filtered out in different ways now. We don't have the nightly news. We have raw stories being reported by fucking podcasters or like Twitter journalists. Like people on Twitter do sleuth work now and tweet it out and they are as reliable if not more than some of our mainstream media at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned in one of the podcast episodes you've done already that there was someone on Twitter who kind of broke a story but they're not even a journalist. They're just essentially a bit yeah. of a sleuther that needs to kind of get the truth out which I found that kind of interesting that, that that's even a need to exist there's even a need for that to exist you well, know like it's mainly just like we've accidentally found ourselves with the ability to build our own platforms i won't even say we've got platforms because you can have a twitter account but you don't have a platform until you've got over a certain threshold of followers so your posts get picked up in a certain way mm. but we've at least got the opportunity to build those platforms on those on those medium so yeah you can have someone who's just got the time and energy to go through government reports to find out stuff. And so from what I saw, like someone from Twitter just found Scott Morrison, um, Scott Morrison's government awarded a $110,000 grant to his own church. And that was just, that was just someone going through financials that managed to find that and break it. And then it got reported more widely than that. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, so why don't we do a fucking podcast? Like the, the equation is in my mind, if there are more people listening to the podcast, or there are twice as many people listening to the podcast as there are hosts, then we have contributed positively to the issue that we think is important to contribute to. Yeah, and if, if I have you on my podcast, yeah. and then more people listen than that, then we're doing even more good. Yeah, 100%. you know, we might even Spurs turn like the that. tide. Yeah, no, well, we've got this fucking. We've got it's it's semi sarcastic because it's not real Latin, but um, solidaritas et, et podcastus. But it's essentially like every single podcast that's doing the right thing and trying their best gets a shout out and gets support from us. Mm. And that's how we build it up. It's the the competition is gone now. There's no such thing when we've got such an existential threat facing us. And again, we have an existential threat facing us that's purely political. This is not a scientific issue. We know how to fix it and how much it would cost. The issue is our politics have stagnated, our politicians have stagnated and our politics is um, atrophied. And so how do we work against that? We build it back up. We build it up in our workplaces by joining unions. We build it back up socially with our entertainment. We build it back up um, financially by supporting each other. It's just what we, what we have to do now. But the stakes haven't been higher. But like I said, I've never felt more hopeful because everyone is realizing all at once that it is totally achievable and we mm. can do it. So, you know, worst case scenario... I, as a person, go down swinging, doing my best. And my country does as well. Like, New Zealand has signed on to be um, carbon neutral by 2050. And that got unanimous support. Both right and left sides of the government there, like, signed on to do that. And the political will in this country is just so lethargic that we're like, nah, 
like like our Labor Party loses an election and they go, oh, we love coal as well, and we want to build all these coal plants. So what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? You could easily appeal to the alt right, to right wingers, to conservatives in this country by just pointing at New Zealand and being like, we will not be beaten by you. We are the, we invented fucking solar panels. We invented GPS signals. We have the CSIRO, motherfucker. We are going to be the best country. We're going to swing so far above our weight that the world is going to be shocked at how quickly we can become renewable and the fucking technology we can invent. We're going to be so fucking rich and so fucking good. Australia's the best fucking nation on earth. Ooh, 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 ooh. And we can do that. And we could drum up nationalist support. We could do it the wrong way, according to progressives. You know what I mean? We could we could get people on board to our project by appealing to the worst base tendencies. Like, fuck, I don't care. Yeah, nationalise energy sector, nationalise industry and do it with fucking flag-wearing chuds. The Australian flag draped over their back. If they're willing to build solar panels and build them on every house, fucking fine. Yes, we have to build coalitions like that. Mm. And then afterwards they go to the gulag. That's the... <laughs> that's, once they've worked... And we're carbon neutral. Then I get to enact my um, my political scheme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just, mean that bit. You've let it all. You've let it all slide on this podcast. The heat in this room is obviously getting to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're running out of water. Um, so anyway, so look, give us a bit of a run through about uh, not good enough. So it's it's you yep. and you're kind of like the ringleader in a way you seem to control everyone in that room. <laughs> in a, in a, They'd love hearing that. No, I think like. We've all bought cool school uh, skill sets to this. Oh, whole of thing. course. And so we were but actually talking about. But you starting in the podcast, so I feel like you, you know. Well, it was it was it was all of us sort of at once. I mean, me and uh, Tom McLean, who's the other guy on it, had talked a couple of times about doing it, and so like we were having private conversations for maybe only a day. I was like, should we do a podcast? I think we should do a podcast. And we took it back to the chat, and everyone was like, "Fuck, let's go!" But. Like, I'm not going to take credit for that because we had talked in that chat for at least six months about, huh, oh, we should do a pod as a joke. And then I was like, maybe we should do a pod. Ah, not sure. So we all wanted to do it. And I remember I was talking to him uh, after a couple episodes about like, oh, maybe I want to like, you know, sort of take a step back. I think maybe I talked too much in the last episode or whatnot. But like the skill set that I bring is that I've been lucky enough to do heaps of hosting and heaps of like radio work and yeah. heaps of talking. So if I have to fill a more de facto like leadership thing, it's only because I'm I've had more experience at saying the hope you like listening to the episode. You can find us at Not Good Pod on Twitter, and I've I've just done that a bit more than the other guys. So it's like for expedience sake, I can do it. Um, but like one thing that made a difference to me, and I I fucking love him to death for it. But uh, Isaac, who hasn't. He's been on. He's he recorded an unreleased podcast with us, and I don't think he's been on a released podcast yet. Whether he will or not, like he's not like one hundred percent comfortable with talking into a mic yet. But he is one hundred percent part of the podcast, and he did up the website in a day. He did the logo. He does the footnotes for the show. He sources articles. He hyperlinks and he sets all this stuff up. He's like your producer. A hundred percent. And yeah. I've never had someone like that on a project that I've been doing, except if I'm like ABC or whatever. And it's like, fuck, that makes a difference. Doesn't it? And like, and so he's still in the chat. He still comes up with like ideas for the shows. He'll still pull us up on shit and be like, you should do more of this, less of this. Here's an article. Here's a thing. Here's my point. Here's what I reckon. And like having people in that network, as opposed to just like, you know, three egos wanting to host and wanting to be the point. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work as well as having this cool sort of like, uh, like it's a coalition of us. Yeah. So like I've, I've, I did philosophy 
and radio stuff. Um, McLean is a, like computers engineer. Um, uh, Mc, uh, Lang, Tom Lang, is a science communicator. That's his thing. Um, Evie, we can't really talk about what she does because of her job, but like she's very... Um, very clued into legal stuff, we'll say. And so all of us have this really cool, diverse skill set, which is precisely what we need for the podcast we want to produce. And we're all angry and enthusiastic enough to do a podcast. Yeah. So we're all working on these extra things all at once that sort of come together, I guess, to just make it sort of like work out into what we want it to be. Which yeah, is you're cool. like a Megazord, essentially. You're yeah, all... essentially, yeah, yeah. It comes together and it's the not good enough mecha. Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> but, and, and I mean, no, no blowing smoke though, but like listening to the podcast is great because we were talking on the way here that like the only two ways I guess I learn about uh, Australian politics via you know the internet which is like friendly geordies on youtube and juice media yeah like they're ways that i'm just like wow i never thought i would be able to get this kind of access to information that's digestible and it's funny and it's entertaining in in, in a way that i can like learn about not since like i don't know the glass house on abc back when you know i was a little kid like i can't remember a time when politics seemed to be talked about in a way that was just digestible yeah because they make it seem undigestible so you just stop listening and i'm assuming that's like a part of their strategy, right? I, th- I think it is. I think, um, like, for us, a big part of it was essentially that. We want to make sure that we're not condescending. Like, we genuinely want to bring people with us and, like, like explain concepts to people that may not know about it because we think it's important you know about it. But we don't want to do it in a way where it's like, mm, well, chapter one, here's the terminology of the, or the etymology of socialism. Isn't it? It's like, no, we are just, ang- we're as angry as other people are. We're just, by the grace of God, lucky enough to know a little bit more in specific areas than some other people. So hopefully you can listen to Not Good Enough and be like, oh, fuck, I didn't realize that. Mm. But it's not delivered in a way that it feels like you, like every week it's like, well... Not good enough appeared in my feed. I guess I better learn something and put it on. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. It's like we people don't take in information that way anymore and no one wants to give information that way. Friendly Geordies is great because he's fucking funny and angry. And so you can pick up information from that better than you can someone who's dryly reporting something out. Yeah. And then and like, that's admirable. With, and with the Juice Media, they've got like nice after effects and like, yeah. you know, they've got like you know, like cute hosts talking about the issues in like that, you know? So it's like, it's like all ways you can be like, oh, this is like a fun thing that I'm paying attention to. But then, oh my God, they're talking about how fucked our government is. I think as well, it's, it's like the project, at least for me in a certain way is to channel my anger into a way that other people can like enjoy. They can enjoy, (laughs) but like that can give expression to their own anger. Mm. I think there's a lot of people that um, like that identify as leftist or progressive or whatever, or just, or just, just want cons- the planet not to explode. Yeah. Just concerned about climate change. They just like, don't really know what it, like what a specific thing means or what it might, what the implications are for that. So it's like, if I can just by angrily shouting about stuff, help someone go, oh, fuck, that's what that is. That's why I'm angry. Fuck yes. Now I understand that and I can go out and tell another two people and then they can tell two people. That's what I want to do with that sort of shit Mm -hmm. is make sure that... And and this is, again, like uh, Solidaritas Ed Podcasters. It's super important that people don't feel like they're alone. 
And so, like, I mean, the wanky philosophical term that I've like, you know, done a little bit of research on, and I, I've taught this and I've done undergrad with it. It's um, pluralistic ignorance is the academic term for it. It's when everyone is laboring under a very specific issue, but no one else realizes that everyone else has the problem. So it's this idea of like, oh, I'm the only one that actually cares about climate change. Or like, this is the big thing that Beyond Blue did. I'm the only one with depression. I I feel like, oh, it's not that bad. I just, look at them. They're having fun. They're smiling. So they're okay. I'm the odd one out. Where it's like, no, heaps of people have depression. And what helps you is realizing that heaps of other people have depression. So in the same sort of vein, what we're doing is like, no, no, no. You're not the only one who is sort of wordlessly angry about what's going on. You're not the only one infuriated, not just by fucking Scott Morrison and his smug, dumb, shit-eating face. You're angry at politics as it's being performed by both sides and by elements of the mainstream media who aren't doing what you think their job should be. I also think We're that- also angry. Let's get angry together. Yeah. Get a fucking podcast. Come on our podcast. We'll go on yours and we'll be angry together and we'll build up this anger together in solidarity with each other. That's yeah. super important. I think that's the thing that uh, your anger is, it, it is kind of um, infectious because what happens it is, is if you like, <laughs> so many people will say stuff along the lines of, especially in the youth of Australia or the youth of most Western countries, like, oh, I just don't really give a shit about politics. You know, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't. And then you hear that kind of rhetoric said back and forth. And it's like, okay, at a certain point, and I remember it clicked for me a couple of years ago, like uh, not the last election, but the election before is when I started actually thinking about where my vote's going. Yeah. And then, you know, Big Tudor Advocate posts on Instagram are hilariously kind of cutting up different people that are going to vote for different things against their interests, essentially. Yeah. Um, and th- that's when I started getting really kind of, I guess, alert to it all and being like, well, fuck, what can I do? You know, like yeah, I'm just yeah. a guy. And you're essentially saying the exact same thing and then by listening to your podcast or by watching Friendly Geordies or the Juice Media or all these things you start to go yeah fuck that feeling that I have where I'm kind of mad at the government for getting paid heaps of fucking money for doing nothing but let our like country burn yeah you know like that anger can go somewhere now because like and what i love about your show and what you've started to do a bit more of in in the newer episodes was like how to affect change by yourself whether that's like changing your super or changing your power bill or you know all these little things that you're like oh yeah shit we all really can change little things to make a difference if you want to you know i think i think the big thing to keep in mind though is that you can't you the individual Mm. can't do shit in this system, against this system, to change this system. There's no fucking way. That's the point of the system. The system is designed in a way that individuals can't make individual moves and enact enough change to bring about a threat to the system. But by changing your super and getting other people to change their super, all of a sudden superannuation companies have to publicly go about like, talk about how they're not going to invest in fossil fuels anymore. Because the risk is if that that project picks up steam then holy shit we're going to lose out on the whole thing it's why unions fucking exist and why they're so important you the individual worker can't do shit against your boss but you as a member of the workforce have all the control they can't just not have workers if it's a work-centered like uh, business they have to have workers there So if you all band together, if you all know how much you get paid, if you all know how fucked you're getting, and again, if you realize you're not the only person that feels like they're getting fucked from their boss, then that's that's all class consciousness is. 
Like this idea of class consciousness being this ephemeral weird thing that's hard to pick up on. It's like, no, class consciousness is just knowing how much your work colleagues get paid every month. Mm. And for some of you to go, oh shit, you're getting fucked. You, mm. don't get, you don't get paid nearly enough. I get twice as much as that. I do the same job as you. Shit. I feel bad for taking money from you and you feel bad because you're missing out. Well, I'm not the problem because I didn't set my wage. Mm. And you're not the problem. You didn't set your wage. And then you both pan over to the boss who's there pulling his collar. <laughs> Don't talk to each other. Oh, boy. Yeah. Like that's, that's what this is. The, 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 the system, when the system's working perfectly, it convinces you that you can make all the change you need to make in your life to have a really good time. And that's bullshit. The system is designed to delude you into thinking that you, the individual, are the most important unit in the whole thing. And if you just do the right things, then everything will work out great for you. And as we're mm. starting to see with the climate breakdown, it doesn't work like that. The system is mulching through the only planet that we've got and leaving fuck all for the rest of us. But what the system can't contain, what the system can't uh, buffer against is enough of everyone coming together at once and being like, no, we're not fucking doing this anymore. Mm. We refuse. And that's what that's why I'm so hopeful because we are seeing more and more of those coalitions start to build up. That's what I want to build more of. The fucking the Sanders campaign in America has just enough people going, you should have your teeth. <laughs> like, I want to fight for your teeth. I have all of mine. Yeah. And the system's telling me that that's enough. And it's fucking not because I can see you don't have teeth. But I had to talk to you. I had to reach out. I had to realize that you were a person just like me who is just in a worse position than I currently am. But I could be there in a fucking month. Exactly. There was, was that something you, you talked about that on your podcast where you're talking about like, what's that, the, 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 the wage divide? And it's like, if you're like a couple of months oh, away yeah. from like extreme poverty or something it's yeah like, there was a there was a tweet the, yeah. there was a tweet that was going around to say like you know just to just to figure out where you are in this class war just to actually yeah. put a fucking pin in your position in these armies you are in the working class you are lower class if you are three months away three bad months away from proper destitution from homelessness but you're not three good months away from being a millionaire and that's most of us and that's the thing that kills me about like what the what essentially the ideological war against left collectivism and socialism has been wrought upon us by capitalism. Um, the, the the project from conservatism and the project from free market libertarianism has essentially just been um, like your your how does it describe it? You don't have. It's more to say, like, there are some people that are working class. But if you're on, like, $100,000 a year, you're pretty rich. Mm. You're, you're pretty good. Things feel good, don't they? Oh, don't worry about stuff. You're, you're on your way to the upper class. And it's like, people need to realize that, like, $100,000, even just by itself, is a lot of money that would change a lot of lives. But in this system, that's not rich in terms of, like, that's not wealth. With $100,000 a year, you can't influence an election. Like, you can't talk to a politician and get in someone's ear about stuff. It's not real wealth. You're still in it with us. Like, you are still... You have much more in common than the person making $30,000 a year that doesn't speak much English than you do with the billionaires. Mm. And, and that's been a really good... 
like the the project of strengthening the middle class was actually really good to make sure the bourgeoisie, the upper class, could maintain their position because you had this entire sort of buffer between the poor who didn't have anything or didn't have enough and you who had too much. You had this middle ground of people who were like, I've got heaps. And you got, you got fuck all, but you're comfortable and you think you've got a lot. And so as the middle class sort of got, you know, squashed and destroyed, people didn't really sort of realize that like to have a middle class, you have to have a lower class. And what could have happened is everyone could have been brought up to the middle class, but then that means there's not enough wealth for the bourgeoisie, so they come down to our level. What they instead did was start to crush the middle class so there's too many poor people. But as happens when you do that, there's enough of the poor people then to be like, fucking hang on, like this is, this is no good. This doesn't work for us. And so you get situations like you did in Chile where they tried to increase ta- uh, train fares by like a dollar or two and they just set the city on fire. Now... That was the straw that broke the camel's back and that was the last in a long line of austerity measures that the poor just couldn't stomach anymore, Mm. which caused a reaction against that sort of stuff and it exploded into a social movement. At the same time, I'm also not ignorant of the fact that when we've had socialist revolutions in Russia, when we had like the revolution against the monarchy in France, they had fucking muskets. Now they've got mm. tanks and drones and fucking auto, it's like automatic rifles. Like Melbourne just got fucking automatic rifles for their terrorist squads. Around the exact same time, they started to label uh, people protesting for climate change as eco-terrorists. So like, don't tell me they don't know what's fucking coming. Like they know what they want to be doing to protesters. They know how they want to threaten them pretty soon. And that's, again, that's how we slide into fascism slowly is that we don't really report on the fact that we've got literal AR-15s coming into the... I think AR-15s, but assault rifles um, coming into the You've been playing too much Call of Duty, man. You should know. You should know which... uh... (laughs) Yeah, I should know the attachments that they've got and the types of scopes they've got. Um, He's got that sweet gold one when you get like hundreds of kills. Yeah, Prestige. There's a cop that's just waiting to Prestige his AR. Um, But yeah, they were trying to talk bullshit about how they're going to be locked in special pods and they're going to be brought out for like the, you know, for, you know, terrorist response units and blah, blah, blah. blah. But again, at the same time, they started to call people eco-terrorists for gluing themselves to road. And it's like, we've also got cops with eat a dick hippie on their cameras and king hitting teenage protesters after flashing a, um, an okay, like the alt-right okay fascist oh, sign. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the... A cop a cop was throwing that and they're like, no, he was just saying everything was okay. And they fucking doxed him and found his uh, Facebook page and it was covered in alt-right memes, like Pepe the Frog memes and shit. He knew what he was fucking doing. And you can't tell me that the guy that wants to king hit a pink-haired protester or the guy that gets his baton out and starts smashing protesters that can't move or the guy with eat a dick hippie on his, on his fucking uh, near his camera isn't also going to just be fucking getting raging hard-ons at the thought of like racking a fucking AR machine gun and pointing it at some protesters. Yeah. Like, of course he is. They're fucking cosplaying as military guys, but they couldn't pass the physical, so they became cops. And now we have to deal with their fucking short man syndrome as we try to make a better world for ourselves. It's great. Um, but like but so again so i'm not i'm not ignorant to the fact that social change is different now but i'm again i'm more hopeful because all like you just need four percent of a population to get on board with a movement it's critical mass they've done the maths like nine times out of ten all social movements throughout time the unifying factor has been four percent of the population get on board with an idea wow and so if you if we can just get four percent of the population um you know, in demanding in a way that matters, demanding materially uh, for action on climate change, I reckon we can turn it around. And, and this is the thing as well. 
We only need 4% of the population. So if we all start podcasts, we can reach 4% of the population eventually and, and, and convince them. But the biggest thing to keep in mind is that more people want radical action on climate change than wanted marriage equality. Wow. Are you serious? Yeah. The numbers are done. The discussion is fucking over. It's just the political class that are propped up by the mining industry in this country in the same way they were propped up by conservatives that didn't want uh, marriage equality for their own ideological reasons. We have politicians propped up by the mining industry that then peddle out to the media that there's a discussion that still needs to take place and there's fucking not. It's in the 70% of Australians want radical action on climate change. Are you serious? Yeah, 100%. And so this is the thing. This This is pluralistic ignorance. People don't understand that everyone else thinks the same way they do because we're being told from on high that they don't and that there's still a discussion that needs to take place. But there's no discussion. There's no fucking discussion anymore. But I will also admit that I don't think people understand what radical change on climate or radical action on climate change means. I think if you would ask those people, do you want radical action on climate change? Yes, it's a very important uh, thing. I don't want my children, I don't want my grandchildren to suffer. We need to fix the... Fix the planet. All right, cool. Do you think we should shut down the meat industry over five years? Absolutely not. No, I love sausages. Like, as I like, well, how radical do you want to be? It's like, oh, what about a carbon tax at 25% over 75 years? Like, well, we're fucking dead if that happens. Like, I don't, I, again, so I don't think they understand what radical means, but at least, at, at the very least, they are, um, they have at least told themselves that they want to be someone who is identified as being part of that metric. I am someone who wants radical action on climate change. What about if you just want like wind farms and solar panels and stuff? Like where, where do I stand on that in the spectrum then? Like, I mean, you could either that be... radical? Is it radical to want wind farms? And no, like, bare minimum. But like... That's, that's the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like renewable energy... Like it's insane that we still use fossil fuels when we have... Isn't it? Like the, the idea that we have electricity being... Like coal being burnt at power stations and then shoveled along power lines and then connected to houses when we could just put these like little black squares on roofs that collect sunlight and then store it in batteries and then have wind turbines elsewhere to pick up different loads for a while. It's like, why, why are we still burning things? Yeah. And it's not even, it's not even more cost effective anymore. Like the like the green, green technology has reached parity. And that's why you've got places like BlackRock, which was a like the world's largest, um, I think it's a hedge fund, like investment firm, the world's richest. They just deal with the most money than any other one of those firms that deals with money. Literally named after coal. They're BlackRock. That's Tom McLean from my podcast joke. But it's like the, the, the BlackRock have said they're no longer investing in fossil fuel technology wow. and industries and stuff. The, and that's the thing as well. Not only do most Australians want action on climate change, but the rest of the world is leaving Australia behind. We are the laughing stock of the world internationally at the moment. Everywhere is divesting from coal at a record pace. They are moving to renewable energy super quick. And we could be leading that technological charge, except for the fact that Howard gutted CSIRO funding and we've continued to underfund that while relying on the coal industry. Again, because our politicians are propped up by the mining companies and they get jobs with them afterwards. That's how this country has worked for 30 years. The facts are all there. A lot of politicians go through our parliaments and then they get jobs either directly with mining companies like um, Wayne Swan is now on the board of, I think it's Stanwell in Queensland. They control more than half of Queensland's uh, fossil fuel industry um, or they become lobbyists for those firms. Um like the, the mining industry is just the pathway to a good retirement for our politicians. It's their nest egg. They don't want to fuck with that. But if 
like they if there was political will in this country again being brought up from the bottom up from people like us building to something then it would make sense for us economically to invest in green technologies mm. like we could be world leaders in that we're fucking great at that sort of shit but again we're being lied to and being told that there's a discussion there's an issue there's you know problems there's fucking not <laughs> we know what to do <laughs> like 250 million people recently went on strike in India. Don't fucking tell me that, like, the rest of the world hasn't figured out what's happening yet. Like, Australia is just sort of embarrassingly behind the times, as we always are. I was just going to say, just like everything else. Just like metalcore, just like beards. (laughs) Just like like everything, man. We we haven't caught on to climate change yet. Fucking just embarrassing. We should get jonathan davis to like come out and just you know <laughs> tell everyone <laughs> yeah we should just we should make we should make like singers in bands just sign sign not waivers but sign contracts and like we, you have to use your influence to tell us what's going on you have please we need this we're so fucking stupid you need to appeal to all the people that just <laughs> won't listen to anyone else but the people from bands they just yeah. love you know that's one of the things that keeps getting me when when we're doing um like episodes of not good enough is that one of the other guys will bring up a point and like make a connection in my mind and it's like fuck we're just australia's so fucking stupid we're really embarrassingly stupid in so many ways just ugh, like just not even like it sort of in a nationalist sense i guess but it's just like, I'm, i don't want to be a fucking aussie if that's the case like mm. just embarrassing stupid shit it's um it's a it's a hard conversation to be like a part of when this topic comes up and it's very divisive with people yeah and people might like and then i don't know how to act with those people when they might be like well there's nothing wrong with being proud of being australian mm. and then i'm like this feels like the beginning of a slippery slope of a conversation <laughs> yeah what am i going to agree to if i just passively agree to stuff so, nothing wrong with being australian yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly well, I, was, I was i was born here and that's fine yeah, yeah, yeah right. and those people that flew here they're not real australians Technically, yeah, but I mean, and they're taking our jobs. Ah, like, oh, fuck! I should have said no like two two Ex- points ago. That's right. Yeah. I've already gone down the slippery slope, and I'm sliding down <laughs> as I'm just listening to someone say some, you know, pretty racist shit at but, me. So um, even, even then, though, like just to wrap it back around onto those points again, like government politics, fascism, climate change, all the rest of it, building coalitions, pluralistic ignorance is a thing. Um, those reclaim Australia rallies are around in like 2015. Um, I went to them, I protested the racist, but then also because I look like this, like I've got, you know, stubble and long hair and the, like those like black skull shirts that just... Like, yeah, I, you could be I mistaken like for a bikey vibe. Kind of, yeah. Like yeah. I just, I look like I could be on either side of those protests. And so at one point I did go up and like into the Reclaim Australia area and ended up talking to some people. And so when you're talking about like the, you know, the nationalists, what those conversations that I want to have and you know, the issues with it, they get racist and it's weird. I remember talking to one of those dudes. This is like 2015. It's a lifetime ago now, but that was like the really... Yeah, John Saffron was making jokes about that before. It was... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was a different time. But the, so that was, a, that was when the Islamophobia really hit big. Like the anti-Muslim sentiment was much bigger like five years ago. Yeah, and why was that? What was the undercurrent there? You, you... Just drumming up, like drumming up votes. It was like Pauline Hanson pivoted from Asians to Muslims. Mm. That was, you know, that was the that was the pivot. But talking to at least three of them, and the the conversation was essentially fucking the same. But I'll never forget this one dude I talked to, which really clarified for me how important building coalitions is and how important 
dispelling that ignorance is and letting people know that we're all in this together and we all have these same sort of worries is that he was there because he thought everyone else was on his side in terms of hating Muslims because Muslims were the cause of his problems. And he'd, he'd figured that out. And all these other people at Reclaim Australia had also figured it out. So he felt connected to these people. But when I was talking to him, I was like, what is the, what's the issue here? Yeah. What's the problem? He's like, fucking Muslims come into this fucking country and they fucking like they steal our way of life. I was like, all right, well, what, what, what do you mean? What's the issue? And he's like, well, the fucking take for instance, mate, the fucking halal tax that they put on shit. They get the halal tax and they put it on all our fucking products, and then now I'm subsidising Islam, and I don't even well, I'm not even a fucking Muslim. But then they put the the halal tax on more and more things, and the price of stuff keeps going up. They start putting the halal tax on Vegemite. I can't afford Vegemite, and then my kids are like, "Well, what am I going to have for lunch today?" And I'm like, "I can't afford to give you anything, mate. I'm sorry, I can't afford the Vegemite anymore because I don't have enough money for the halal tax." And it's like, "Fuck, mate, you you're not worried about Islam. You're worried about wage stagnation. Yeah. Like you hate your boss, not Muslims. Like that's." And all he needed was someone to direct his anger in the right way. I was lucky enough to have my anger directed by people and my parents and by things I was reading into uh, the, the right direction. And he wasn't. But his anger was just like mine. He'd just managed to find his tribe of people that it's just like, yeah, it's the halal tax, mate. That's why your kids don't have good lunches. Is there actually a halal tax? I've never, like, was this even a thing? So there is halal certification that gets, um, that you can apply for yourself if you're a business. And there are halal certifiers that you can pay to come out and to make sure your products are halal. And that goes, so then you pay them and it goes to a private company. It doesn't go to the Australian government, it goes to a private company. And there are apparently tenuous links between some halal certifiers and Islamic terrorism, which I'm not willing to say doesn't actually happen. One, because it might, and I don't know. Two, because some quote-unquote Islamic terrorism are freedom fighters in Syria, so they can have my money. And three, I would be a hypocrite if I wasn't at least open to the idea that that might happen because I also believe in the boycott of Israeli goods because it's been uh, documented that a lot of Israeli products get funneled back into the death squads that they helped um, funnel through uh, through Pakistan, um, through Palestine and um, through through the, the death squads that have helped to, you know, ruin the lives of Palestinian people. So that can happen. But even then the fundamental thing that he missed out on is that there's no corporation on earth that would pay for halal certification if it didn't mean that their revenue would increase because they could go into Islamic markets. Yeah. Like Cadbury, I think, did it. And it's like, oh, the price of Cadbury is going up. It's like, no, if anything, you pr- the price of a Freddo is going to come down because, because now they can sell in Indonesia yeah. and Arabia because people can go, oh, well, I'm not going to eat anything that's not halal and that's halal. So suddenly a billion people have been opened up to the market. Sweet. Like... It's, and, and that's the thing, but I can't begrudge him for not knowing macro global economics. Like, he's probably a fucking steel mill worker in Bendigo. He doesn't give a fuck, and why should he? Like, he shouldn't. Mm. What he should have is a good voice in politics and a good voice in the media going, fuck yeah, your boss is a prick. Because we currently have people in the media going, ah, oh, fucking Muslims are pricks. I remember when David Koch looked down the camera, uh, down, the, down the barrel of the camera on Sunrise and had this whole speech... Uh, about if you're in a detention center and you're currently ripping those roofs up, then you shouldn't come to this country because that's not what we do here. 
are totally ignoring the fact that they were protesting the fucking inhumane conditions and the lack of food and the lack of medical care that they have. So you don't protest like that on a roof, you bloody bastards coming here. <laughs> like, so we should have people on the news looking straight down the camera being like, your landlord is a leech. <laughs> <laughs> your landlord is scum and you should eat them like yeah we need at least a plurality of voices doing that sort of stuff because i mean imagine if all those reclaim australia guys just instead of coming into the melbourne cbd and protesting and punching on with some like you know undergrads from rmit if they instead went to their fucking factory or their fucking boatyard or whatever and just punched on with the boss and he said, you can fuck off. We can build this without you and we'll pay ourselves a wage and we'll spread your wage among the rest of us. Like, imagine if that was just channeled in that way because an Alan Jones type figure spent his time not saying that Lebanese or Cronulla are the problem if he was just like, you know, people in managerial positions are the problem. Like, people can be influenced by that sort of stuff. And it's not because they're idiots. It's because they know that there's a problem, but they don't know how to express it or they don't know what caused the problem. So they rely on other people to tell them. And if you have enough people around you telling you that you feel a certain way or if you have enough people around you that say i know how you're feeling it's like this and you go i do feel like that if you know why if you know how i feel you probably know why i feel like that and that's Mm. why that then you can tell people it's because you're not in my white supremacy gang come on board (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's all i've been missing is some racism exactly I just wanted to fully blown out my racism and I just didn't know how to do it until now. So I feel How great. do I be more racist? I don't know. I'm sitting here. I'm being as racist as I can be. It just feels like it's not enough. We all need to get together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, what's the shared experience of the loner racist who thinks he's the only racist out there? He's like, I wish there was more racists. <laughs> I'm the only pure one. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I wish other people could enjoy my manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck, and that's just always really... a bad line of thought when someone's like, how can I get my manifesto into the eyes and ears of more people? It's like, mm. That never ends well. Fucking <laughs> hell. I was just going to jokingly say that maybe your podcast feels like a bit of a, a, a digital audio manifesto. You know, fucking is. hundred percent. It's going to be, it's going to be evidence in court one day. hundred percent. Mm. Something's going to happen. Well, Mitch, they, you've said here in episode 54 that <laughs> parody, <you> were... <laughs> irony, parody, it's a comedy show, satire. I used to be a comedian before I was a full blown activist. <laughs> that was, that was my thing. If I ever get into politics, I just have to sort of go like, oh, I used to be a comedian. So, um, that's what that is about. Yeah. <laughs> that's why i said that man it's like the way that kevin hart doesn't get to host the oscars or whatever like you know you, yeah. you'd be going down in yeah. the politics oh, 100%. world 100 percent. but i mean i think people are starting to already react against that sort of shit like i mean essentially if you don't apologize nothing bad happens apologizing is acquiescence to whatever frame mm. the accuser places but the reason why donald trump has never had any issues is he never apologizes and it's like, it's actually crazy about how much shit that dude's gotten away with. That yeah. you're just like, like, and I know the whole Trudeau blackface thing was a, a pretty good controversy to come up at the right time. <laughs> oh, what a fucking dork! That was you know, so good. Like, I may or may not have done blackface that one time. The second picture comes out. Yes, I did blackface twice, but in my defence, I don't think any other photos exist of all the other times I did blackface. Yeah, I'm hoping nothing else comes to light. There's no <laughs> yeah. more further questions. Um, it was funny when I was uh, in South Korea last year. We ran into some Canadians. They had to like customize their little like Korean travel passes. Yeah, yeah. and one of them had put a picture of Trudeau. <laughs> 
in like the because I mean I guess black it was like a he was he just like Arabian Nights kind of dude like yeah, he, yeah. he browned himself up for that yeah. or something but um he had that as the picture on his <laughs> on his card and I was like that's some Canadian spirit right there that's you know so good. and he was still like yes to vote for him and I was like that's what they get again it's like yeah. they, they're thinking that was the thing that was gonna sink him and then it was like no. No, that's all good. He, I mean, he he apologized in his whole thing, but his his whole thing is being like a pretty wet lipped baby boy. Um, but like he, again, like he he gave a non apology in the best way. Like I'm, you know, I'm sorry if my past actions offended you. Not like I'm sorry for my actions, and mm. here's why. What I did was bad. It's just like oh, it really upsets people. Let's forget about it. Um, but I mean, he couldn't survive any more of them. Like he would be, he would be more or less tanked if he tried to, if it came to light that he was as bad as Trump on so many things and then gave that type of response every time. Like he'd be kicked out just because he'd spend all his time apologizing. Yeah. But the whole thing is, and this is what fucking Morrison is trying and luckily he's not nearly as charismatic, but you just, you just bull, you bull rush your way through it. You just like bloviate wildly like a fat-headed idiot and you sort of go, oh, oh well, actually, um, that's a non-problem. Uh, next question. And you just hope that that's enough. And in this country, he's not charismatic enough to get away with it. Trump is. Like, say what you will about Trump. I mean, he's sundowning now, but he was, he was legitimately funny, charismatic, some of the best crowd work I've ever seen anyone do. Like, he is a, he is that type of leader in the same way fucking Hitler was. You know, Hitler was also very good at revving crowds up that's what mm. they can do fucking anthony albanese doesn't have shit hillary clinton <laughs> hillary clinton could not inspire shit like it was that was a big part of the issue mm. um and i mean you're inspiring the wrong people for the wrong reasons but they're still inspired stuff's still stirring within them um which is why he can get away with it you can just be like mm, nah that's not that's not a i don't think that's an issue this is a very big issue you should apologize no i don't think i should Actually, at all. Nah, I'm just going to go. And like, what do you do against that? Like, as soon as you apologize for something, then you've gone, you are correct and I am bad and in the wrong. Now I want to move on from that. So well, you, you're in the wrong though and I'm right. Here I go hammering you. But if someone's like, you should apologize. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> yes, you should. And then they spend all of their time trying to make a case that you can just dismiss. And that's what the right found out a very long time ago. Mm. And that the left in the, the way that they play poly, uh, purity with stuff is yet to figure out. Like, the left need to harden the fuck up again. We cannot keep eating our own and expecting this the high level of purity and holding people to extreme and ever-changing standards if we want to build something up. Like, people getting annoyed that Bernie Sanders was on Joe Rogan's podcast mm. and got the Joe Rogan endorsement. Joe Rogan is seen by, like, well, heard and seen by millions of people. Like, that's a much... And by non-voters a lot of the time. Mm. That's so many That's like his people. core demographic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, why wouldn't Sanders go on there and then have their spiritual leader go, yeah, I want to vote for that guy. Medicare for all is great. Like, that's what you need to do is build, like, coalitions. The, the, big, the big issue that the left face at the moment, I think, comes from the fact that they tried to marry identity politics with collectivist action with the idea being that my identity my personal identity can mean that i can say certain things you can't say certain things because of your identity i 
know things that you don't because of that. I should be getting things because of my identity. You should not be getting things because of your identity, whatever, 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 is also trying to exist alongside, hey, everyone's into this together and part of who you are doesn't matter. That's, I mean, what communism is, is that you're just a worker and you're nothing but the proletariat. Yeah. We don't want that. We want to scale that back a little bit. We need to make room for race politics, sexual politics, all the rest of it. But essentially, it just means that like you're going to find some people that you don't share the right types of views with, but you have to work with them because otherwise we're too fractured and we won't get ahead. Mm. The monolith of the right is really big and they're really good at solidarity and in-group solidarity. We need that again because there are so many more of us than them. There's so many more working people. But anyone who spent any time with working class people knows that there's some fucking foul-mouthed, terrible people who are still good people. They just mm. don't say the right things at the right times. It's just or they, a bit of ignorance, really. Yeah, they just they don't know. They don't hate gay people. They just don't know them. So they've got these stereotypes about it. It's like I can fucking live with that if it means we have a world to still live in and we all get healthcare. <laughs> like I can I can spend time educating them after the fact with kindness. About, yeah, exactly. Like, There's plenty of time when the Earth still exists. Yeah, exactly. Can- <laughs> exactly. We need an Earth to be able to have our little debates on, yeah. like to talk about things that are important like yeah i mean i say that as a very privileged person because i've just got the fucking ticks of all the different privileges you know what i mean white male straight big like all oh, of those things born Sick. in the era of the internet oh it's great i love it you know what i mean Imagine so much hentai yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got it i've got it made so of course i can say that but i mean i don't know i've also been afforded a lot of time to think about this shit because i don't have to worry about stuff so yeah like yeah if i can bring along some other white people like let me sink to their level to do it hopefully and also i guess just just understanding the predicament of a regular working class person helps you understand how there is a way to kind of rile them up and get them yeah you know and i think you're right i think it's that thing that we should just do a versus new zealand thing i think that's a genius idea has anyone tried that no oh well they used to but like, not not politically in a way that mattered, but like with sports and stuff, it used to be. Yeah. I, I feel like I used to hear more about sports because we were versing New Zealand more and stuff. Like it mm. mattered more. Um, but yeah, like it's really easy to appeal to nationalism, patriotism, in-group, purity, all the rest of it, to make your case for progressive causes. Like there yeah. were studies done a while ago. I don't know how reproducible they are, but essentially if you made right-wing talking points palatable to left-leaning people that agree with them so if you if you if you try to propose to left-wing people that um uh immigrants should learn the native language of wherever they're immigrating to uh by law uh, otherwise they're not allowed in or whatever um left-wing people would be like no that's abhorrent you can't force a language on people that's disgusting but if you would frame it in a way that was more about um uh access of opportunity or opportunity of access rather um immigrants can't get jobs without it they can't like vote they can't be politically active um without actually speaking the language so we'd have programs in place to help them get a minimum understanding of the language so they can participate left-wing people would eat it up and in the same way if you would propose to people um marriage equality like if you propose to conservatives just based on like gay people needing human rights they wouldn't give a shit but if you would frame it as stability of the family bringing traditional family to homosexuals meaning that they would have the bond of marriage keeping them in local communities working with local communities and like setting down roots they would be more in favor of it you just have to 
put things in a way that people enjoy hearing, make the points that way. The reason why the left haven't done that is because we've based a lot of our politics in the last 10 years on saying, or doing and saying and thinking the right things for the right reasons. This is the idea of like, we don't want to trick conservative people into voting for what we want. We want them to want it for the right reason. Mm. And I'm at a point now where I fucking don't. I will lie through my fucking teeth to conservative people if it means they'll vote for the way I yeah. need them to to keep the planet alive, especially because they're doing it to us. They, they, they have already been lying for the longest time about shit. Thinking, oh, they're coming to take your franking credits or they're coming to you know steal your jobs and blah, blah, blah. It's all bullshit and they know it's bullshit, but they also know how politics works. You don't get anywhere in politics by feeling the right way for the right reasons. It's not how you get fucking votes. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? It's like there was the, that's why... That's why we're now talking about cashless welfare cards for pensioners. There was never a proposal from that from the fucking from conservative governments, but that picked up enough steam where it's like, yeah, no, I think they are. Like George Christensen from the Liberal Party uh, in Queensland um, was sharing memes on Facebook pages about how Bill Shorten wanted to get rid of every petrol fueled car on the road, just get rid of it all. So no, he fucking didn't at all. There was no proposal for that sort of shit. There was no proposal for like four different things that they skewered the Labor Party on. And it was just lies. But then they had to spend time going, oh, it's not actually a proposal of ours. So why can't we do that to them? Mm. They want to to give all pensioners, they want to give all age pensioners cashless welfare cards. That's what I heard. Ooh, that'd be bad if they did. Based on nothing. But then pensioners will go, well, I can't vote for that then. (laughs) So yeah, that's what we need to start building up is, you know, politics for the right reasons. Because people don't give a shit either. People don't give a shit if their side lies and they win. Like, and you can tell that by any side of politics winning. Yeah. Just look at it as it goes. Like, and like, and Bernie Sanders is doing that now. He hasn't got a costed measure for his Medicare for all. He's just going, we're the richest country on earth. Why can't we do it? We'll figure it out. Yeah. And they can. Of course, they, that's still a good thing to do because they definitely can figure it out. In the same way that the Republicans go, we have to go to war and we'll just figure it out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you will. We've got a lot of military contracts <laughs> yeah, exactly. billions of dollars. And if we don't go to war with someone, they're going to be pissed. <laughs> exactly. So we better sort, we, gotta, we better start a coup somewhere. and you know. <laughs> We better ruin some elections, but don't ruin ours. That'd be mean. You're not allowed. Don't do it. <laughs> oh man, that's fucking wild. How are you feeling? You wiped or could you do this all night? Oh, I'm fucking getting hot. Yeah, no, it's pretty yeah. warm here. All right, what we're going to do is... Yeah, huh? oh. Yeah, getting hot for politics. Now, look, what we're going to do is, look, this has been a, a bit of a, a uh, unorthodox podcast. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a bit more structured than this. Oh, just, right. But oh, it's sweet. fun. You oh, just, let's, let's start the podcast then. You, <laughs> <laughs> Listeners are listening going, there's no fucking structure to your podcast, Rory. No, um, what I am going to do is, uh-huh. we've been going for an hour and a half. It's been going quite well. Yeah. Let's do let's do the quick fire questions. Okay, sick. And then um, we can wrap this thing up and you can you can pitch a show and all that stuff. And, oh, yeah, do I don't plugs. Know, maybe talk about your life. If you haven't really talked about that <laughs> yet. You've just been talking about politics. I mean, yeah, that's my whole thing. My life is like, whatever. If people, <laughs> people, want, the, if people want the credentials, it's like, I don't know. I did Triple J. Mm. I did the racket for a while. That was really cool. Really fortunate to do that. I've been on national TV. I'm an academic I'm in band. So if that's enough for you to be like, oh, I should listen to him. That's right. Exactly. Like, that's the thing that I find quite fascinating is that you, 
uh, uh, well, until I cut my hair off, I was like you, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I just had the same kind of interests and hobbies and yeah. venues I went to to see bands. And I never really thought about politics that hard in my 20s, but it's only now as I've gotten a little bit older, like I said a couple of years ago, I was kind of like, yeah, fuck, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, but here's, here's and I find it well. interesting that you've taken that and I guess it comes from your, you know, anger a, yeah. and probably the philosophical roots from school to have the idea to kind of think about this kind of stuff a bit more. I think, yeah, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that sort of shit. But what I will say is that like you've mentioned Friendly Geordies, Juice Media, we mm-hmm. brought up like Joe Rogan, even to a degree Sanders, but like, let's just focus on like those entertainment ones. What are Friendly Geordies credentials? He studies politics at uni, doesn't he? Do you know? I'm pretty sure he does. Doesn't matter though, does yeah. it? What if he didn't? Oh, no. You're Who totally runs right. Juice Media? Uh, Giordano, and he used to work at a uni in Melbourne and then he left. Yeah, so you're looking at me like you don't really know. This is the thing that I'm I think, talking about. Is that about. correct? I think that's right. But this, this is what I mean. Like Joe Rogan, he's a fucking comedian. Uh, Whatever. Slash MMA commentator extraordinaire. Well, yeah. and he but so, so, so why are we listening to him on like government policy on marijuana or healthcare or whatever? The whole thing is... I'm no better than anyone fucking listening to this. I can just talk into a mic because I've done it heaps. And so the thing is, it's not about... like We don't care about experts anymore. And in politics, I don't think we should. What we should care about is the person that can give expression to our anger the best, which is what alt-right groups do. It's like, yeah, fucking I am angry. I guess it is immigrants, blah, blah, blah. And politics isn't about being right. It's not about having the academic qualifications to go, yes, I've thought morally about this. It'd be good if it was, but that's that's ethics. That's or that's science. As well. <laughs> or that's maths. We're talking about fucking politics. Mm. And we should, to a degree, be influenced by people who are influencers, so to speak. And that's the difference between what I think is good politicians and bad politicians. Bad politicians convince you that they're right and you should give them all your money and you should just stay where you are. And I think good politicians are the ones that like like what Sanders is doing or like Geordies is doing, whatever else, is that they are just charismatic and they let you think, they let you feel like, fuck, I can make a difference. And then they tell you how to make a fucking difference. That's the good thing. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. If you can convince even just one other person to go along with you on something, then you're doing good politics. And that's the point of it. It's not about, you know, you went to uni for training in politics for however long and you're in mm. the debate club or whatever. It's like, no, just do your best to convince other people to join together in stuff. And it doesn't like, that's like talking about my life. It's like, yeah, cool. I mean, if you're interested, that's nice, humbling, nice, but also fucking stand next to me in this and let's do some shit. <laughs> We're on fucking fire. <laughs> So anyway, five questions. Hit me. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, speaking of fire. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. Uh, analog or digital? Digital. What time did you wake up today? 6.45. Last thing you read? Um, the first chapter of Progress and Poverty by Henry George. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, it's a 18th century, an 1800s book from an economist who suggested that um, to stave off inequality and recession, what we should do is abolish all taxes except for land tax. So all tax, all land is nationalized and the government puts out to tender land ownership and taxes are exorbitantly high. So if you're in a commercial area, you have to actually produ- be producing a lot of wealth to pay off that high tax. And that's why we don't, and then we would avoid like land speculation. So you wouldn't have like vacant lots in a city making someone a lot of money. You wouldn't have landlords sitting on lots of properties, just collecting rent and not doing anything else. You have to be productive with your land. 
Um, I don't agree that we should get rid of all taxes, but I think a land tax would actually be a really good way of helping fix, you know, the problems of the economy. Fascinating. <laughs> this is just the kind of shit that I'm just like, I'm sitting here playing PlayStation and you're like <laughs> figuring this out. I'm like, fuck, I've got to do more. <laughs> I will say like, that was the last thing I read after playing two hours of Witcher 3 for like the second playthrough. <laughs> I yeah, fucking, like also I'm not... Yeah, that makes like me I, feel way better. I woke up at 6.45 so I could play a couple of rounds of Call of Duty before going to work. I didn't wake up and you know, get my quill and start writing a manifesto. I was like, no, I fuck, I fuck ass around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first memory? I used to thought, think it was a party as a kid, but I don't think it is. And then what, you realize you've been incepted. I just think I read something that it was just like a lot of people invent their own memories until the age of like six or seven. Like you don't actually remember it. You just Whoa. piece it together from things you've been told about stuff. And like photos as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think it would probably be um, one of my earliest memories is playing a game in primary school during the lunch, like during a lunch break where we were velociraptors in mech suits. And there was a lot of just like running and shouting and engine noises and stuff. Sounds great. Yeah, it was sick. <laughs> that's a patent pending it's, idea, by the way. That's intellectual property of Mitch about, Alexander. So I was just about to say, it sounds like you're ripping off Sam Dillon. <laughs> I think he wants to be a fucking raptor in a mech suit. I think he wants to be like a rapper at art, uh, a raptor at art school. Like, yeah. It's just like, With like a beret. Yeah. <laughs> A beret and like one of those long, thin cigarettes. Cop that, Sam. Come and defend yourself. <laughs> Just back and forth between the two of us. It was only right, you know. We, we, we called you out on his podcast. It's only fair that you got to mention. G'day, mate. Um, wow. Tea or coffee? Uh, coffee. Coffee, 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 coffee. Last thing you cooked? Um, stir fry. If you were reborn, who or what would you like to be? No, thanks. <laughs> no um, maybe like something in the sea that, that that is not prone to boiling fucking blue whale would be fun um until you get speared no like a big like a big one and not in that era <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i mean as it like is it what do you mean like reborn as a person i mean i'd like to go like say 500 years in the future like a thousand years in the future, just to see what the go is. Mm. Like, and it'd be really embarrassing too if I come back and like I'm just algae because that's all that's left. Mm. Like I've got no sensory awareness. Like fuck, I'm just here until I burn off. And like so. your <laughs> mind is stuck in there. Yeah, yeah. And I just I live for like yeah, 750 years, just like oh. pure hell. Yeah, it's just like nothing's gonna come out of this primordial soup for fucking millions of years. <laughs> um, what inspires you? Um. Anger and solidarity. Hmm. Last record you played? Um, I mean, does Spotify count? Yeah. Yeah. That's the weird thing. Like, last record I played. It's like, I like the way language is just like a holdover from that sort of thing. Or like the save icon to floppy disk. Oh, we're old. Um, the new album by Sepultura. It's fucking awesome. I've never been a Thrash fan before. And between Vader's new song, Testament's new song, and the new album by Sepultura, it's fucking next level. 2020 is going to be the year of Thrash, I reckon. It's fucking mm. wild. It's so good. Well, you we should put your Triple J hat on there for a minute. I liked it. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Radio uh, voice. Yeah, well, you have, you've been doing it this whole time. Uh, last, oh, no, wait. Oh, favorite piece of musical equipment? Uh, drums. Uh, last movie you saw? Um, oh, it's now one of my like top three movies ever, maybe, but Swiss Army Man. Oh yeah, that where, movie's awesome. It's a fucking beautiful. It's one of the most amazing, like 
gorgeous, poignant, stupid, funny films I've ever seen. Daniel Radcliffe plays a corpse with special powers. Mm. And it's fucking unbelievable. It's so good. Yeah, it was directed by those guys who did that mad turn down for what clip where they yes. like literally dance through the floor for anyone yeah, um, yeah. listening who hasn't seen that movie yet. If you've seen that clip, you know oh, the movie's going to be fucking good. It's very good. Uh, who do you love? Um, my partner, Chris, my parents, uh, my podcasters, my bandmates, uh, my flatmates, cat. Um, there's lots of different levels of love. Um, but like, uh, yeah, this uh, is, this is too much of a question for a philosophy major. <laughs> what is love? <laughs> no, like there's, there's just so much like, there's so many ways to, so, like, I also love a morning coffee. Or like, you know, different meals. And like, and that's genuine in what that type of love is. But also like, I've like loved people for a few seconds in a mosh pit when that part of the song hits and I'm there with someone else, like a stranger, just being like, fucking yes, you get it. Yeah. Like, it's just those overwhelming feelings. Um, I've experienced that love myself, actually, funny enough. I think people, most people listening to this show would be like, oh, yeah, I know what that's like. Yeah. When it's just like someone picks you up or yep. throws you up there and you're just like, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, you get it. You get it. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, those are the big ones off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any pets? Uh, no. And I want some. Dogs. Mm. Yeah. Are you useful? Am I useful? Mm. <laughs> that's not for me to decide. <laughs> Like you can't, you can't be useful or useless in a vacuum that, that by definition requires like someone else to find you useful. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I hope so, but probably not. <laughs> I'm very tall and loud. So I think I'm more in the way than not. <laughs> Unless you are channeled. Like. Yeah, exactly. Unless you give me a mic or a megaphone or something, then fuck yeah, let's go. But otherwise like, yeah, in the kitchen, just a lot of space being taken up to be used for cutting. <laughs> uh, biggest fear? Um, like the, the slow terror of watching people I care about suffer in ways that I can't help. Mm. That's the one. Like the, I mean, Viatis Murder had one of the best death metal lines ever. It's, uh, I'm not afraid to die... I'm afraid I'll survive enough to watch you suffer. Mm. But essentially, like, it's it's that fear of, like, I, like helplessness, essentially. Um, I've had an experience in my past where I lost a relationship and we couldn't be together, even though the two of us were still in love. And that, like, knowing that that's not enough is huge. And so, and because they were suffering... Um, and with the potential to continue to suffer like that. And it was, I couldn't do anything about it. Like it's that level of helplessness um, and spiders. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You just do the deepest philosophical shit ever. and just undercut it. Yeah. With that. There was a spider on that wall last night and I was freaking out to get a cup on it and I'd put it outside. How big? Uh, it was just little, but yeah. it was like, had a really like big body. So I was like, yeah, I don't know right. about that. Yeah, creepy dudes. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like it wasn't like a standard dude. It was a bit <laughs> weird looking. Standard dude. It was like, you know, when the alien, like the toy line where they started making weird versions yeah, of aliens, yeah. you know, it had like, it was a little bit reddish. And I was like, Ooh. like the whole thing. It's like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not into this. Anyway, <laughs> just to put you uh, uh, not at ease in the sanctum, but there was a spider in it yesterday. Um, what do you value the most? Um, 
interpersonal connections. Hmm. Yeah. All right, now we're getting down to real quick ones. Yep. Anime or Disney? <sighs> they bought Star Wars at Disney. <sighs> Disney. All right, well, yep. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars. Fucking sitting around watching four episodes of dry political bullshit and fire, fire a fucking laser. I'm six. <laughs> Give me an X-Wing, you fucking dorks. <laughs> However, they are socialist in the future with no money, so Star Trek. I changed my answer. Yeah, they've got replicators. They can just make whatever they want there. Ah, beautiful. Fucking yep. genius. Autobots <laughs> or Decepticons? Um... Decepticons, but whatever the their version was in Beast Wars. <laughs> That's my shit. That fucking tarantula woman with the machine guns on her back. Fucking sick. Was Beast Wars the one that was all 3D animated? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was sick. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Um, are you more of a Batman or a Robin? I love Batman. Why? He's cooler. Robin's a fucking theater nerd. His little like tight red pants and his little like oh Jay Willick is Batman. I'm, sh- shut up! No, nah, but he was in the circus though. Like yeah, that's not cool. that's not a point in favor. It <laughs> must have been cool back in the day. Bruce Wayne's a billionaire ninja. Yeah, that's true. That's sick. That's the best. Re- <laughs> Everyone wants to be Batman when I ask that question, and no one's summed it up so succinctly like you have just then. He's yeah. a fucking billionaire ninja. It's yeah. pretty sick. <laughs> it's sick. <laughs> Two coolest things you could be. <laughs> Uh, who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Um, who was, I don't, I mean, I don't have a connection to Ninja Turtles, but the one with the size? Raphael. Raphael. The red one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's the angriest one, which makes sense. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I'm just psychoanalyzing your choice there. (laughs) Uh, what movie could you watch every day and not get sick of it? (laughs) Shit. Um, fuck, I don't know. I barely do movies. So like, that's tough. Maybe Rogue One, just because it's a like dumb You are fun. a Star Wars dude, huh? Yeah, hell yeah. I think it's just like, I mean, I used to watch Interchanging Days. I used to watch A New Hope or Return of the Jedi every day for like three years. Like it was just, I loved it. Um, What about Empire? Nah, no battles. Um, <laughs> So... <laughs> it was that boring Star Trek nerd shit where they talked. Um, so like, yeah, maybe maybe Rogue One. Um, it'd have to yeah, it'd have to be something dumb and easy. Yeah, like nothing that would require like any thought, like even like accidental thought, like to bring you in. Maybe like something like Jackass. I don't even really like it anymore, but it's just like a random assortment of shit, mm. like, whatever. Little yeah. sketches with like really obvious Foley sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. I want every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what country do you want to visit the most? You've, you've already ticked off a few on your list. Is there anywhere you'd like to go? No, but I didn't really want to go anywhere until I was at the places. So I guess Amsterdam um, and like Prague, Czechoslovakia, maybe like those like Eastern Bloc, Eastern European countries. Um, because I didn't, my dad never wanted to go to China, and then I went there. It was fucking sick. I'd like to go back to Guangzhou. I'd like, to, I'd really like to see that again. Um, but like everywhere else, I was like, eh, I don't really care. I don't know what I want to go to London for. What's in London? <laughs> More of this shit. Eh, whatever. Why do I want to go to China? It's fucking hot and gross and diseases and different. Oh, this is fucking rad. London's really cool. There's all this awesome stuff, and China's really sweet. So I was like, I'll just go places. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, probably Amsterdam just cause, I guess. Now, I haven't figured out what question I got from last episode, so I'll have to double stack next one. But what is your famous, famous last words? Famous last words. Anything, quotes that ring true or something like that? You're just like, mm, that's pretty good. It's uh, a nice sign-off. And will be a sign-off for this episode as well. So you, I don't want to put the pressure on or anything, you know, massive. <laughs> uh, to quote the late David Armstrong, uh, consciousness is a self-scanning mechanism of the central nervous system. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need a second for that, and I'm also gonna need you to explain that to me like I'm one of your students at the tutoring thing. <laughs> oh, that was a fucking sign off. All right. Um, uh, no, I think my famous last words probably join your union. Um, but <laughs> uh, consciousness is a self scanning mechanism of the central nervous system. Is essentially the idea that consciousness is just a feedback loop of different parts of your brain talking to other parts of the brain to fill in the like. Fill in your experience of itself, I guess. So mm. all the different parts are in constant conversation with each other to make sure that they all know what's going on. And that just, when it gets complicated enough, results in consciousness. Wow. But it's just a feedback thing. People don't think about the fact that your eyeballs are literally holes. And no one cares about this fact. And this is when I go off the deep end and I turn into an actual raving person and ruin everything I've said before this. When people are like, oh, maybe he's making some good points. Like, oh, no, he's a fucking idiot. But <laughs> well, everyone... it's about that time on the show anyway, so you, you may as well. Everyone feels like they're looking out at stuff. And I, like, I, I don't care who you are. You're wrong. You're lying to yourself and me if you say otherwise. But like, it just feels like we're looking out at the world but there is no us looking out. These eyeballs are literally holes that light falls into. So then from where comes this experience of projecting vision out onto the world and seeing things? We're literally seeing nothing. Sight is coming to us. Light is coming to us and falling into these holes in our head that get, that get sent to the brain. And then interpreted as what's going on outside of us. And even then, if you want to say, oh, well, wait, that's where we see stuff. It's like, yeah, but there's no us looking. We're not looking actively. It's just happening at us. It's slapping us in the face. <laughs> there's photons just fucking bouncing off our heads. And no one cares about that. Yeah. Consciousness, wow. man, you know? Yeah, we just turned into the Joe Rogan podcast fully. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. You've done DMT. <laughs> <laughs> you, need to, you, need to, you need to smoke some more weed, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're either smoking too much weed or not enough. <laughs> Has he ever told anyone off for smoking too much weed on the Joe Rogan podcast? No, never. Yeah, it's, I... it's not physically possible. The only <laughs> You would OD before that happened and it's impossible to OD on weed. That's how much. He's, he's probably said that before on the podcast. Probably, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't OD. Of all the drugs that exist, you know how more people die on alcohol than on weed? And yet... The government. <laughs> Which one's the one that's legal? Oh, is it the one that they can tax? <laughs> well, it turns out they can tax weed too. It's fucking easy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's become a really big industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> turns out Bill Hicks wasn't fucking right, was he? <laughs> it's a plant. Yeah, but who like... We could also grow tomatoes. I still buy them from Coles. I'm not fucking... That's like, true. Uh, yeah, like weed is a plant that they can't, they can't regulate. They can and they do. 
Um, cause I don't, couldn't be fucking bothered growing weed. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck, whatever. No, let's buy it from someone with a vape store. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Before you go, plug the show, get everyone listening to your podcast. All righty. My podcast is called Not Good Enough. Um, we are on all the different socials. It's at not good pod on Twitter, uh, not good pod on Facebook, search it there. We've got, um, not good pod at protonmail.com. If you want to send us an email. Oh yeah. What is the proton mail? I Just want to secured ask mail. Secured, secured mail. encrypted mail. Yeah. Oh, so if journalists want to hit you up and send yep. you some like sweet leak stuff, uh-huh. you can... if anyone has any like stories that they want to break, like the Dutton O'Pair scandal or Barnaby Joyce's affair, but they don't have you know the right ways of doing it yet, just send us an email on your encrypted service, which I know you have. You fucking coward, send us the email. Um, what if you send it from your Gmail through a VPN? <laughs> that... Yeah, probably not the best idea. <laughs> probably not the best. Send it from your Proton Mail first. Okay, cool. Um, I'll get a Proton Mail. Yeah, we're on Spotify as well. Um, so is my band, I Have the Enemy. Um, not good enough podcast is on YouTube as well. If you just want to click that, are you guys filming it as well? We're going to eventually, probably. Um, but at the moment, it's just like the audio is up there. Um, Great. just like my band, we get our film clips up. Um, so my band is also everywhere called Eye of the Enemy, and you can uh check us out. We've got the album Titan is the first one that I'm on, and uh, I'm kind of proud of it. It's fun. Are people going to think your band is like a Gojira style band because of your outspoken <laughs> political views now? And they listen to the band and they're like, there's no mention of climate change in this band. Hang on a fucking minute. Is there? Is there mention of climate change? Not really. It's all very <laughs> verbose, self-reflective, wanky prose. The next album is 100% though. Because I mean, I wrote those lyrics four years ago, three years Before ago. Before you were ever mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the like, next album, holy shit, you're going to get it. Cool. I can't wait. <laughs> and that's coming out while you're recording this year? Um, fucking who knows we're writing at the moment and we want to get something out sooner than later because last time it was five years between albums so hopefully we're going to cut that down to like two and a half but great we'll see and I'm great that I finally got like two hours into this podcast and actually got a question <laughs> out of you about music thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for having me on man it's cool <laughs> no but seriously thank you so much for coming on the show man this has been heaps of fun no man this is really cool thanks for having me on and letting me rant and do my whole thing it's great <laughs> cheers dude Alright, hey guys, welcome to the post-ramble. Um, I've attempted this post-ramble a few times and I keep fucking it up. So this is the like sixth take of me doing this post-ramble. I think it's hard to match the tone because like if we just did it like the podcast, it'd be intense. But um, I'm just trying to like, let's just like shift gears down a little bit, you know? Let's just have a nice relaxing little post-ramble after that. There's a lot to take in there. Um, but a lot of action you can take as well, which is cool. I guess starting by listening to Not Good Enough, the podcast. It's been great. I've really enjoyed listening to it myself. Um, doing a lot of commuting now. Still do a bit of work in Geelong, so it means I'm driving down a lot, even though I'm living in Melbourne, which means perfect time to listen to podcasts and make phone calls and just, you know, have fun in the car. I don't necessarily hate the drive, especially when there's no traffic, man. Perfect. So I can listen to an episode not good enough and get a bit fired up for the day and be like, yeah, I want to make some changes. You know, I want to do some stuff. And we all can. Um, So you can start by listening to that podcast and that'll give you those first initial steps to kind of make a change if you want to, if you want to try and help with the climate emergency, which is definitely not as bad as I thought it was. And then listening to Mitch talk, it's like, oh, fuck. I don't want to die in a winter when we run out of food in like a walking dead post-apocalypse scenario. That would be fucking garbage so let's try and let's turn it around now so we can all just live comfortably and uh everyone can just like i don't know be happy is that is that is that too much to ask um but yeah it was lovely having mitch in here in the sanctum it worked guys 
moving to Melbourne and having this little room that's dedicated for podcasting and editing and playing video games, let's be honest, um, has been great, except for the fact that we couldn't get those lights to work. Oh my God, next episode, once we get this new NBN, if it happens, I didn't even think we were going to get NBN because we checked the little heat map thing. And they were like, oh, no, there's no there's no NBN coming. But then, lo and behold, here we are. I think we should be having some faster internet soon, which means uploads of this podcast won't have to be done via a hotspot on my phone because that's how slow the internet is. It's faster to just do it from my phone than it is from the computer here at the moment. So that's going to be exciting. The lights will be on for the next episode. Um, what's great about this is we recorded the episode with Mitch on a Monday night. I am doing the post-ramble and editing and doing the little... You know, that little, the little mystery, the little mystery Instagram came up today as well. And then the episode can go up either tonight or tomorrow, which is very exciting because I've hopefully got another guest lined up to come here into the Sanctum on Thursday. So we'll, we'll try and um, pump out a few of these podcasts while we're here in this wonderful space. And uh, it sounds good, feels good, guests like it, except for last night when essentially what happened was, because we couldn't do the fancy hue lighting, which I'm very much in love with. Thank you, Greg, again for buying them for me. That's awesome. Um, we just had no lights. I just opened the curtains and it slowly got darker. And then it got to a certain point in the podcast where like, we were just sitting in the dark complaining about climate change and I was like fuck I gotta turn the light on but then it's hot so I opened the door so we, we're stress testing I did tell Mitch it was going to be like a beta test for this podcast room um, and I think it was pretty good beta so far it'll be much better once it gets a bit colder because it won't get so hot in here uh, probably doesn't help there's a bunch of technology in here there's a lot of technology I'm not helping with the greenliness of uh, this house by having a bunch of crap on here but um, soon there'll be nice mood lighting it will never get too dark uh, hopefully it will stay cooler I can't have a fan on I opened a door at one point in the podcast I don't think you can hear the difference in the sound I think it should be okay but Tom and Morgan my lovely roommates who were so uh, courteous and staying upstairs means they would have just heard Mitch and me being much louder than when the door was closed but it was still loud um, <laughs> these walls are thin man this is a newish house um, so thank you, Tom and Morgan, for letting me record the podcast here and, and being so lovely and being quiet and letting me, you know, have a wonderful space to podcast, which is obviously the number one thing you need when you're a podcaster is to have somewhere to do it. So it's really cool to be here and it's really cool to do a few more here, hopefully in the next coming weeks. And yeah, it's just a cool place to be in, to be honest. I've decked it out. Like, as Mitch said, there's some toys around. My PlayStation games are on display. Um, I will probably play some PlayStation after this once I get a bit more work done, which is exciting. And uh, yeah, things are, things are good here. Um, wanted to give a shout out to my buddy Joel. Um, I met him at the Bendigo on Friday night and he was a big fan of the show, which is really exciting. So Joel, if you're listening to this one too, mate, really great to meet you. I sent him a message on Instagram on the, after the weekend when I was like, wow, there's something kind of surreal about meeting someone who loves the show and it's not like one of my best mates being like, oh yeah, man, I listen to your show. <laughs> For someone like Joel to listen and be really into it and be a big fan, that's really awesome, man. So thanks again, man. Awesome. Shout outs. Um, I hope this episode kicked you up the ass a little bit and made you start thinking about the world we live in and how we can all share these experiences together. And then it turns out, hey, things aren't so bad once we all figure out that we could, you know, I don't know, rise up and <laughs> overthrow some governments. Maybe Mitch needs to uh, start a platform for politics and just jump into that stuff. I think you just lean in at this point right like you would think oh heavy metal singer slash radio presenter slash podcaster slash comedian he can't be a politician but it's like fuck anyone can be now right you know maybe we could get him for pm 
<laughs> Maybe we can start a grassroots campaign. Um, but yeah, look, you know, I think I think you do a much better job of uh, running the country than anyone is at the moment. So that's my political stance, really. Get people that actually care and want to save the planet in for power. Let's just do that. That seems to make sense, doesn't it, for you guys? That's not crazy notion. So anyway, I hope you are having a great week and uh, I'll see you very soon with the next episode. Thank you so much for listening.